just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. Brought to you by Bloke Beer. Get in your local, grab a case of Bloke Beer. It is the beer of Australian sport. It's absolutely beautiful. And I tell you what, the weather is just getting better and better for a beer. So if you want to support the platform or you want to try a brand new beer, a brand new independently owned beer, Bloke Beer is the beer. Uh, but I've got the great guru with me here. How you going, brother? Going well, mate. Plenty of sport on the weekend. So good. Wow, there was a lot of sport on the weekend. Uh, what about yourself, Timmy? Mate, plenty of sport. I've heard you got a bit of cricket about you. Mate, I got a lot of cricket about you. You know, like that's my territory, bro. So yeah, I know. I'm, look, I'm keen to get you on board with SC Paper this summer camp, to some degree, and just get those insights that we get week in, week out. You know, the the revelation to bowl at the stumps. It still knocked me over, and it, it seems to be working for the Australians. Is it not said, working? It, it is working. It's working, mate. It's working. Um, how do, look if you do do a bit of cricket, though, mate. Where how do you find it, mate? So SC Playbook, all those sort of things we do for NRL around Supercoach and General Rugby League, firing up the the cricket stuff tonight. So by the time the uh, the potty's live or you're halfway through it, we should be live up on site. And basically, same thing with all the super side of things. We've got a new contributor on board this year. There's a fella, Kempi. I think there's about 80,000, 90,000 play Supercoach Big Bash. There's a bloke who's gone back to back the last two years no by way. the name of Andrew Langley. He's on the Penrith Panthers of, yeah. SC, <laughs> of, of like, Supercoach. Unheard of. Wow. So Andrew's uh, jumped on board the SC Fable team this season. So we've got that. And also expanding this season into some general cricket stuff as well. Podcasting coming out later uh, in November as well. And some general cricket content. So if you're not into the Supercoach, still in, on the cricket side of things as well. So SC Playbook Cricket, separate channels for that we started up as well. So mm. get nice. on board. Nice. Rue, what do you reckon, mate? I love it, mate. You love it? <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell, that's surprising. Uh, Hammy. <laughs> <laughs> Hammy, how you going, no, brother? That's fair. Uh, no, very well. very well. Now, we don't actually have a market for best dress, but if we did, you'd be the dollar ten favourite today, <laughs> uh, you. Kirby. Very Even sharp. Even this beat can't ruin this fucking jersey. Absolutely. Looking very sharp. I do sharp. agree. I love it. But you just agreed I had a like, bad beat. Oh, you got a beautiful beak, but it's <laughs> not overshadowing the jersey. So I, just, I got a bit lost in the jersey there. For yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's um, fair. Now, I know you're a big cricket guy, Mr. Cricket. Yeah, um, I mean, that's what they call me lately. <laughs> we spoke about it at length uh, last week, but I didn't realise uh, how entrenched you were in Dutch cricket. Logan van Beek, one of your relatives. <laughs> you kept you that what? quiet. Hey, well, there's, there's two things that happen on the weekend. So Tyson Fury was named after Mike Tyson. Yep. And van Beek, was that his name? Yep. Was named after the Beek. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I tell you what, he's been listening to your advice because uh, he... He took four for against Australia, bowling at the wickets. You got a four for, four for seventy. Oh, made, made a first ball blob with the bat, but let's not, you know, worry about that too much. Um, four for seventy. Bowl at the wickets. Look, not bad. Not, I mean, he's not living up to his name. Yeah. I tell you what, he didn't earn his name. Like yeah. I had to break my nose fucking three or four times <laughs> to earn this name. That bloke just fucking got named it. I was moulded by the fucking beak. This guy was just giving it. Bloody, it's like Bane and Batman. Very similar. Very Bane similar. was moulded by the shadows. Fucking <laughs> Batman just jumped in it. <laughs> so well, that day you and Matty were down at the cricket nets. That was uh, some of the most unique bowling I've ever seen from you. Hey, they often call geniuses fucking crazy when they first see them, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, let's get straight into it. Eh? Face the music brought to you by Sportsbet, and that is right. I have a one of one, a one of one bloke Sportsbet jersey. Is it unbelievably toey stuff? Yes, it is. Look how good this is. Oh, my God. But let's get into it. Space the music brought to you by Sportsbet. Absolute legends. If you're going to have a punt, you do with Sportsbet. They're the best in the business. Uh, make sure to gamble responsibly. Hammy, speak yep. to us. How do we go, mate? It is toey stuff. I'm very toey over here with that jersey. <laughs> uh, now, I'll tell you what. Um, an interesting round of tipping. 
uh, for some people. Um, obviously, we, we didn't have a great deal to go with. We went with the Kiwis Australia game, the PNG Fiji game, and uh, we got around Logan Van Beek in the Netherlands boys against the Aussies I in the cricket on as well that one, last week. Don't play the tape again, though. <laughs> now everyone, uh, everyone got the following tips correct. Everyone went uh, Australia head to head um, in the Pacific Championship, and they also went Australia head to head in the cricket. So everyone's got two. Wait, didn't someone go thirteen plus? I did. And didn't you go thirteen plus? Yeah, but I'm getting to the the margins. Oh, apologies. That's coming apologies, up. Apologies. Because not everyone, not everyone, unfortunately, went thirteen yeah. plus. Yeah, they we'll did. We'll find out. Uh, you actually went in Australia thirteen plus in the cricket, which is correct because <laughs> we won. We ended up winning by three hundred and nine. So. <laughs> Um, potential bonus point there for you. Thank you. Well. Tell you what, the cricket yeah. whisperer. Yes, <laughs> Mr. Cricket. Uh, everyone got the following wrong though, as well. We uh, we had the Rugby World Cup final. We all went All Blacks. We had the, we, we har- spirit. We, we, we harnessed the Anzac yeah, spirit. Yeah. I got no problems with that. I tell you what, the ref didn't harness the Anzac spirit. That's for absolutely sure. no sense of occasion for the Anzac spirit from the ref. If he's watching, have a good yeah, heart. Maybe the Anzac spirit scared him. Yeah. That's what I think. I think it might have. And thoughts and prayers with Guru as well. We had a bit of a futures bet on the All Blacks as well. Mm. So thinking of you during oh, this yeah, difficult really. time yeah, as well. Yeah, that one hurt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, here's what, here, let's break it down uh, play by play. So, Denon, uh, your correct tips this week. You had Holmes anytime. Thank you. You had Johnson anytime. You had Australia 13 plus um, in the cricket. Thank you. You only had him 1 to 12 in the rugby league though. <laughs> so you missed out on a point there. Uh, and then uh, you had the following ones wrong. Australia 1 to 12. Um, you had Manus top runs uh, and Cummins top wickets. So those those ones missed out. Yeah, yeah. Look, the boys just stepped aside for the other fellas to step through. So I'm okay with that, mate. You should have gone with Logan Van Beek. Should have fired him in. You would have cleared yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I didn't want to. I didn't want to put the spotlight put pressure on him. <laughs> I love that. Love that from you, uh, Guru. Uh, you had the following correct. You had Australia 13 plus in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Zampa top wicket taker against the Netherlands, third fourth in a row, uh, and you're the only person who went Fiji. And you also, this is a bit of a coward one, you had Mike Acevo, but um, That's coward bit. he ended up scoring two. So. Jeez, AJ was a good tip. Most prolific uh, mate, try scorer back. of all time. Yeah, How'd you full, come up with that one? Out of position, mate. Fucking, he's playing on the wing all year. We know Actually how different surprised me. Is. That was his, I think that was only his second try. Yeah, I knew that. Games. See, I knew yeah, that, mate. Did. Did, yeah. you, did you get on your dollar four rugby league multi Oh, oh it's coming from Timmy the Tin Heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it from the room, but I won't take it from Timmy the Tin Heart. He's back in a dollar oh one favourites every week. Um... Uh, what else you got you guru you had oh you went hammer anytime which didn't happen smudge top runs didn't happen Matty you had um, Australia 13 plus which you got correct you had Tui Kamakamitha anytime try scorer as well we've seen him pretty well there <laughs> that's fucked that um, is so fucked that's two front row fours that's so row. fucked what did you say about Matty performing when there's no uh, punishment on the line no. hate yeah. pressure he's a, he's a flat track bully yeah. that's what he is he's been the, the value hunter of the off season hasn't he don't give him that front row left row and he's going fish Christ. into Tui fish into yeah, Tui yeah that is outstanding from yeah. fucking office fucking person that's, that's pretty good going uh, then you had but you had Grant anytime try score Warner top runs Hazelwood top wickets you lost a couple there uh, for myself, I had just the two Aussie head-to-head results this week. Uh, a little bit of a... Oh, lean, down lean week. Lean okay. So is that why we cancelled the dancing? The, yeah, I think we cancelled it just about the right time. <laughs> uh, I had Hammer to score. I had Australia 1-12. to 12. I had PNG. I had Buller. Um, I had Travis Head, top run score. I didn't even get picked. Uh, and you, you nearly... Oh, it was a week before, sorry. that You nearly convinced me the minus wasn't going to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was trying to help you out, but... Uh, <laughs> but I was going to say, if Head doesn't play, it would be Glenn Maxwell. So I've given myself a point for Glenn Maxwell. <laughs> um, and then Starkey. So the results uh, are as follows. So Guru's back, baby. After an uncharacteristic meltdown last week, um, you're at the top of the pops again, mate. Six points, well done. Congratulations. 
Uh, Denon and Maddie, you both got four points, and I'm coming. I'm bringing up the the, the tail this week on three points. So. Okay, what Timmy? Oh, well, Timmy didn't do it. That's right. That's right. Uh, Timmy, Timmy, Timmy's doing gallivanting around the fucking. And yeah. I've actually got a bit of an interesting update. So last week we were talking about uh, if a couple of us were to get in the ring, who would you fight? Yeah. Um, and uh, Maddie called out Tobler, um, and I think I might have a fight for the the undercard, the Maddie. And um, Tobler undercard. Yeah, okay. So last week after the show, I actually received a little bit of fan mail. Um, <laughs> fan mail. Came into the. I was, I was flicking through my fan mail. And I came across this one yeah. from, <laughs> from uh, SC Playbook One. Oh uh, wow! Across my desk, and uh, just judging by the tone here, I'm tipping there was a few Changs under the belt over oh, in Bali okay. over there. Um, <laughs> this one came through. Uh, made to dance when a horse gets scratched one week. Tips the Caulfield Cup winner a month in advance, and no mention. You're a coward, Goodwin. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, looks like Goodman Williams is going on the Bucks and Tobler undercard. And he's gone back with Hammy, inverted commas, without a fight, which is the horse who got scratched, Goodwin. And I had to correct him because he'd done it twice there. It's Goodman. <laughs> 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 so there is some bad blood. He's a little bit, if it's a bit tense on the set today, that's why. Oh, okay. Uh, well, okay. that so last potty I was on a week or two ago. And I'd, I'd tipped about a month ago without a fight for the, the loyal punters out there mm. to win, you know, to come up big. Anyway, get scratched from the Turnbull Stakes about a month back. Off the back of that scratching, I had to dance because of old Goodman over here. <laughs> Thank you. And then it comes out and wins the Caulfield Cup a month later. I tipped him a, tipped it about five weeks ago for punters and he didn't even mention it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all about holding people accountable here and who's got to hold the, the ref accountable? Wow. No, no, and it's Kim Jong Goodman over here. We play by my rules. We play by my rules on Facebook. Okay, music. okay. Well, all right. Okay, who? It's a good philosophical question. If Timmy. I get if I get him on the undercard, I'm going to make his nose look like ours, Kempi. Okay, that's good. Hey, that's an honour. Hammy Van Beek. Yeah, we'll have three beaks, and then we just need to get fucking. I was about to say I might have to call out um, Roasty on fight night. Oh wow! Wow! Think of the pay per views on that. Super aggressive today. (laughs) Super aggressive. Just relax, baby. It's all about love. It's all about love. Maybe it's a cuddle. Maybe a wrestle, but like a nice wrestle. Yeah. You know what that is? Nice wrestle kind of guy. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, Yeah. no doubt. If 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 if, um, big nice wrestle guy. (laughs) 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 Wasn't that the best? Chadwick, the great Chadwick. Have you seen that, Tim? Yeah, I have. Oh, too. mate. Chicken it, skin guy broke me. It, it is <laughs> so good, and I love, obviously, how he took it. But we know Chaddy would take it like that. It's fucking Chadwick, the strongest hairline in the game. He knows how to take a joke. Absolutely. Because he's been putting shit on fucking receding hairlines his whole life. <laughs> if Roast is unavailable, TPJ is looking for a fight as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that is. Oh, well, now we get our tips for this. Yours and this tips? Week. Yep. Let's do it. So I'm thinking, I'll, I'll be in your corner, and the, t- the towel's going to mysteriously go missing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll just go a little little cheeky too for this week. We'll go the uh, Pacific Championship final. Okay. We'll go head to head, a margin, and an anytime try scorer. And then just, we've got a bit of a break now for the cricket. Um, you'll be relieved with that, Mr. Cricket. We've got to wait till, uh, <laughs> till Saturday when we've got the Poms, the cellar dwellers. So oh. I want to get your head to head result, which I think I know will probably all go Australia. Uh, and then your top run scorer, top wicket taker there as well. So we'll start with the footy. Uh, who you got? Australia. Yep. 1 to 12. Australia 1 to 12 and anytime try score? Yeah, anytime try score. Um, and I think that I'm going to go try score. Look, I love Cam Murray on the edge there. Jeez, oh. he was looking. I mean, he was my man of the match, but we'll get to that. Yep. Yep. Cam Murray. Love it. What do you got? I'm going to yeah. go Australia 13 plus, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go Liam Martin anytime try score. Yep. 
Timmy, welcome back. Uh, good to be back, mate. Australia, 1-12. to 12. Uh, You jumped in on my boy, Cam Murray, so I'll give you that back. Uh, I will go with... Boys throwing a bit of value out there. Not bad from you. <laughs> oh. um, no rush. Yeah, no rush. No rush. <laughs> <laughs> you, you rattled me with Cam Murray. Uh, I'll go with Cam Munster. Is Munster good to go or is he no good off the... No, he's, he's good to go. He, so he'll score his first try in about six months. And it'll be probably a fucking length of the field. Yeah, Unbelievable try. Yeah. I will go <coughs> Australia 13 plus and DCE. DCE. Very nice. Well, you go Lindsay Collins for sure. Yeah. Coward. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to go Kangaroos 13 plus. I was going to go Murray, but can't be doing that to get his seventh in a row. Seven games in a row. Uh, I'm going to go. I'll go with Hammer. No one's taken Hammer yet. Okay. I'll the take Hammer. him. Uh, cricket, Mr. Cricket, you got the new ball here. Who you got? Yep. Um, mate, just reckon Paddy Cummins is going to take a few wickets. Yep. <laughs> and, mate, that minus guy can bat. You can. Well, you can. So. He held his spot too, surprisingly. So okay. minus in for a big one, mate. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to double down oh, like 30, on 30 plus Zampa. <laughs> Zampa for me, uh, wickets. And I'm going to go Debbie Warner, run scorer. Yep. Yeah, I'm all in on Zampa again as well. Junk time wickets for him. And I'm going Travi had to back up his ton and, and go big again. Yep. Because it's, because it's against England, I reckon it's going to be Captain Cummins because of the whole... Besto thing, he's gonna he's gonna want to prove a point, so yep. he'll get the runs. That's what I thought. And Smith, because <laughs> he just pounds England for a living, will get the runs, and Australia will pump him. Yep, love the confidence there. Very very aggressive, which I, I like. The, co- the confidence of Cummins to get the runs. Yeah, mm, nice. listen back. That's what I heard. Cummins top run scorer. <laughs> Check the tapes. Uh, Aussies to win head top run scorer Starkey just tees off against. Um, Against England generally in World Cups as well. Yeah, I don't like that take. Yeah, yeah, I don't see and it. And you can't bet on this, but I reckon Johnny Bairstow <laughs> will get run out by a wicket keeper again. <laughs> Josh Inglis, double down. That would be. Could that be the greatest moment in the sport? Yeah, that would be literally any sport worldwide that nothing would top that if Josh Inglis runs him out at the strikers end. <laughs> How good would that be? Public holiday on Monday if oh, that happens. Oh man. Yeah. Wasn't that like, like I don't know. I mean. Like, I'm, I don't know anything about cricket. Like, obviously, I really do. But seeing Bearso's run partner get done. Yeah. Like, it's just, after, especially after the quotes from the book got released, where yeah. he's still being a crying little baby. Yeah. It's like, bro, have you not seen the footage of you doing it yourself? Like, what is going on in that? Does, you know, do they have, like, a ban for Barstow where all the players are like, don't show him the video. Don't show him the video yeah. of him doing it. Yeah. Pretend he didn't do it. What the hell? Unbelievable. If there's a whinging World Cup, they'd be the dollar twenty favourite. Oh my. Easily. God. Easily. I can't believe what I'm saying, but I can't wait. It's so good. To, I know we'll talk cricket later, but they're stuck on the bottom. The price just keeps coming in for that stay bottom of the comp market. But um, I'm absolutely lo- – what a great start to the week again. We've been blessed with another one. Monday morning, they've shut themselves again. If we can tow them up, they're on track to finish behind Bangladesh, Netherlands and Afghanistan. Yeah. Which is just Real toey poetry. Stuff. Extremely. I'm already toe enough with that jersey in here. Yeah. And throwing on top of that, it's a very toey show. Yeah. <laughs> very toey show. All righty. That's Face the Music brought to you by Sportsbet. Absolute legends over at Sportsbet for partnering with Bloke. If you're going to have a punt, you do it with Sportsbet. Hammy, what are your – the Hammy's uh, – what's it called again? The Hammy uh, – Bingo. Hammy bingo. Oh, the bingos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When's that They're flying. On? They're flying? They're absolutely flying. Do you want to talk about that in cricket or do you want to oh, – I can do it now. 
We've got a, we've got a couple of... Uh, well, we'll get to it in cricket. Yeah. But get on the homie bingos. When will they be up? Homie bingo is going up today. I've already put my request in. And I've got to say, with the bowling bingo, that's a, to take two or more wickets bingo, which I'll explain in more detail later, two of the last three of them have got up at 4.50. So get so on homie's bingo. You're welcome. Yeah. And it's on the, the main page too, correct? Main page. We, we discussed the prime real estate the other week. It is straight below the head-to-head market. Yep. So Hammy's bingo. So make sure to get on it. Yep. Uh, gamble responsibly. You win some, but you lose more, guys. Uh, now, biggest news in Australia at the moment. Eddie Jones has quit the Australian coaching role. Uh, who could have seen that coming? Um, <laughs> what a really disappointing... It's a dark day for Australian Rugby Union. You could argue it's one of the darkest days for Australian Rugby Union and not Australian Rugby Union as a community's fault. It's the leadership's fault that we are in a situation where the game was on its knees financially, participation, viewership. Couldn't even get a deal with, public t- with uh, free-to-air TV. Eddie Jones comes in, takes a what, five-year deal, reportedly to be worth about a million dollars a year. Yep. So the game's on its knees. He gets a million dollars a year, comes in, makes these sweeping changes and refuses to even see see it through. If you're going to make all those changes for a World Cup with the youth coming in, at at least have the integrity to see through the big changes that you made. Then after resigning and quitting, comes out and says basically no money, no direction. So all of a sudden there's no money and no direction. Why didn't you have that same opinion when you got offered a million dollars a year? Where was the no money, no direction then? Seems to me like a bloke, use Australia as a stepping stone. Look, I don't know much about union. This is just outside looking in from all the information we can get. And always be happy to put my hand up and say I got it wrong. Seems to me like a bloke that used Australia Rugby Union when it's on its knees, maybe even worse, as a stepping stone to a more secure, better job. I think it's I think it's disgraceful, to be honest, the way he's carried himself. I think it's disgraceful the way he came out and singled out some of our older Wallaby players. Um, and it's a, it's a sad day for Rugby Union. And also, let's not, again, outside looking in, but as a leaguey, let's not distract this from the fact that it's not all about Eddie Jones. What about the people that put him in power and have brought the game to this point? I don't even watch Rugby Union much at all, but it's still a crucial part of our country. I still remember growing up watching Rugby Union and and that they were the, the... When it comes to rugby, as in Rugby League and Union, the Wallaby side was the pinnacle of it. To see how far it's fallen and then to see someone come in and do this to the game, it's disgraceful in my opinion. Yeah, uh, it's just been a shit show from start to finish, hasn't it? <coughs> and you're right, like I'm the same. I remember when I was a kid and especially that 2003 World Cup, like that was like Olympics-like. Mate, we, like. we lost some of our best players at the peak of their game mm. to the Wallaby squad. Like, uh, yeah, and I'm glad we did because it was such a good experience mm. as well. But yeah, to see how far it's fallen, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been awful to watch. I, I got a little funny story, you know, how um, there was a bloke at the SCG year or two ago that caught him a trader and got sprayed. I wish he didn't go to water then. I wish that bloke had said, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Well, uh, I was talking to a mate the other day. It was at a Bucks a few weeks ago, and that fella was there. Oh, really? (laughs) And the theme was they had to go dressed as their sporting hero, and a few of them got together and dressed as Eddie Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was outstanding. Oh, that's great. Man, I wish that guy didn't be like, oh, I wish he had gone, "Uh, yeah. I think you're a traitor, bro. What are you going to do about it, man? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, he had her in reverse pretty quickly, yeah. Let's get those guys on the uh, Fight Night Undercard. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> i tell you what, though. Talk about uh, calling it before it all happened. Yeah. yeah yep. You know, he called it years mm. ago. Uh, Timmy, what do you reckon, mate? 
Yeah, a bit like Sells boys. I don't sort of follow the union too, too closely these days. That things ramp up around a Rugby World Cup for obvious reasons with Wallabies. But much like yourselves, I remember growing up, like, loving watching Rugby Union and the 03 World Cup was a pinnacle. But I remember there was a British and Irish Lions series. I think it was just before maybe that 03 World Cup. Might have been just after, but it was just... It was bonkers how big the, the hype around the, the whole um, thing was, the whole series. And nowadays, I struggle to watch it and... and you know, as a rugby league fan, diehard, you know, where you're in direct competition with rugby, you know, I sit here and go, good in that sense because rugby league's thriving um, in a national sense and seeing an Australian national team go downhill like they have, it's bloody heartbreaking. And, you know, <coughs> with whether Eddie Jones at fold, as I said, everything that's come out, it looks horrible for him. Maybe it is just to see it go down that hill. And I was speaking with Hammy before the show and it's as much about Eddie Jones, but the blokes who put him in that position in the first place and gave him that opportunity, like, the thing is, going to be probably a few heads roll across the board, isn't there? Oh, surely. And, and the fact that he's come out and said, oh, basically implied, like, hopefully this is the catalyst for, ch- catalyst for change. Um, that's easy to say when, look, it's probably, what, paying a dollar oh one that he's going to sign with Japan and be the head coach there. So real easy for you to say, because you're all sorted, real yeah. easy for you to say you got your big contract and you hedged your bets and you saw how the Japan situation was coming along and then went, you know what, this isn't working, I've got to... Now, now look at the, the, the way the game has been left. Like, I just cannot believe the way it's all been handled. I cannot believe a guy that made all these sweeping changes and talked about the future of rugby league, uh, future of rugby union, then he can't even stick by those changes. He can't even see it through. Again, I said it last time this happened. <clears throat> it's not even like he's doing it for free. You're getting paid a million bucks a year. Or let's say it's 700 grand a year. Who gives a shit? It's a lot of money. So... You make all these changes, have huge impact on the game, and then you bounce. It is, I just, for the life of me, cannot believe it. And then try to couch the way you've left of, oh, hopefully I'm the catalyst, like I'm the, the, the martyr on the altar of progression, progression and there's going to be change after this. Oi, brah, I don't even <laughs> follow Rugby Union. I know Rugby Union's been in the shit for the last 10 years. What are you talking about? Like, oh, yeah, we're all going to sit up and go, oh, shit, change needs to happen. What are you talking about? Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. And what about uh, just the way that he kind of went after, like, Michael Hooper, played 100 yeah. tests, dropped him, <sighs> Quade Cooper, some of these guys. I'm not a big union guy, but, like, I know those guys. And then to go, I dropped them because they're not great role models. I'm like, who are you to tell us who's a good role model and who's not a good role model? The way you've carried on for the last six months. Blowing up at journos for asking perfectly reasonable questions. They're saying, are you going to Japan or not? And then he goes, I haven't even spoken to Japan. And then it just feels like um, he's just kind of waited until he's got a deal with Japan to eventually resign. Yeah, it's crazy. And and he says he's going on holiday to Japan next week or something with his family. Like, It is absolutely wild. And and so I'm... I know a person that was pretty, pretty close to the, the breaking story of him speaking to Japan. And they are like, it is 100%, like, it essentially happened. You know, again, reportedly, allegedly, all that stuff, it allegedly happened. But it's not like it's made up. That's what they're saying. Yeah, it's well, definitely. If, if, I was, if anyone from Japanese rugby is watching, I'd save you again. I'd look elsewhere. Oh, coach, mate. You said. I just, yeah, I cannot believe it. I seriously cannot believe it because it, it's, it's bigger than Union as well. Like, I know Union, it hurts the most. But, like, mate, you're representing our country. Mm. Like, what does the green and gold mean to you? Mm. What does it mean to you? Like, think of everything that's happened to make that green and gold famous and you're getting paid a million dollars a year. On top of all that, the game gave you everything that you have. Everything that Eddie Jones has, it was given to him by Rugby Union and the community and this is how he treats it. I cannot – and look – I'm sure, you know, there'll be excuses about, oh, when I got, 
got to Union, I realised how bad it was and there was no money, no direction and the game's dying. Mate, you still took the contract. You still had the backing of everyone. I mean, the CEO was still coming out saying, look, the um, the former player, I forgot his name, apologies, but he was coming out saying, oh, the, the interview with Japan, that's none of my business or whatever. So, like, they're still trying to publicly back Eddie Jones. I cannot believe it. I seriously cannot believe the way he's treated rugby union and it seriously might be the the nail in the coffin well yeah i was just about to say you know we've got now four years until we host the world cup we've got four years to sort out 20 years of shit fightery with <laughs> with, with no money yeah no direction we can't even get private investors and if this world cup is a flopperella that will be the nail oh my god i just cannot believe it like think about think about it like this like you were getting paid a million dollars to give back to the Australian rugby union community that has given you everything. Like, and you couldn't see it out, or you couldn't at least see it out for a couple of years and then hand the reins over if you, if you have to get out of here. Cannot believe it. And you look back to the, you know, the 2003 World Cup, as you said, Wendell went, Lottie went, Matt Rogers went. Mate, if I'm a leaguey right now looking at union, I don't care what you offer me. Oh, I man. couldn't give less fucks. I, I still think Suali's going to go, mate, no way. I, I reckon there's every chance he does as well, yeah. Why would Suali go to the rugby union right now? Why would they? Why would rugby union even pay him a million dollars? Yeah, like it's not good for either party. Suali'i is not going to change anything. Like and like Suali'i is a superstar. I'm I'm a huge fan. Like I think he's going to be one of the best we've seen in a long time. All that stuff. You guys know that. Listen to this podcast. Huge fans of Suali'i, and that's why I'm saying, bro, don't go because you're just going to go over there, play in front of you know a few thousand people a week, almost be worried about. Is this game even going to be around in the like next four or five years? On top of that, your uh, popularity, no one's going to be watching you because you're behind a paywall. Yeah. And like good on Stan Sport for taking it on board. Like I'm not having a crack at Stan Sport, but you're behind a paywall. A lot of people don't even bother because they're like, I'm not going to subscribe mm. to watch something that I should be able to watch in free to air. Uh, mate, it's, it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. And you know, I feel so sorry for the fans, the community, but I feel sorry for the Wallaby players. Their leader... The guy that is supposed to be making their lives better and making them better men has just abandoned them. He has put them in a position where they had the worst World Cup of all time, lost to teams they've never lost to all, then a few weeks later has gone, see you boys. Like, think about the damage that does to them as players. Uh, it's, mate, it's devastating, devastating. Um, <clears throat> anything else on that, boys? No. <clears throat> no. And I, look, I, I know we're being, well, I'm being harsh and we're being a bit harsh, but... As we're always ready to, if there's some crazy revelation that comes out and we realise, oh, he wanted to stay and blah, 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 then we're more than happy to say. But I tell you what, as soon as he was getting interviewed after that loss in the World Cup and he was saying, look, I don't make the decision whether I stay or not, I knew he was going. He was already angling for getting sacked. Like, um, anyway. <clears throat> now, South Africa defeat New Zealand All Blacks in the World Cup final. Devastating for the All Blacks in the 33rd minute, I think. Kane gets a red card. Now, look, I'm not going to argue whether he should or shouldn't because I don't watch the game enough to like, know what the culture of the game is. But, geez, like, watching it from outside looking in as a non-union player, I'm just like, that deciding a World Cup, mm. I just, I don't know where you go. Like, it's a contact sport. They're all going to get CTE. Like, for example, they're so worried about that head high with Sam Kane. Oi, bruh, have you seen your scrums? Mm. If you think yeah. that head high is going to give them damage, what do you reckon the scrums are doing? Like, what do you talk? It doesn't. Anyway, apologies. It just makes me frustrated because I'm like, that's that kind of 
That's the first. I think he's the first person ever to get a red card in the grand in the grand final in the World Cup. In my opinion, long term, that's game running. I know they're trying to be safe, but at the end of the day, at some point, we have to admit it's not a safe game. At some point. Yeah, I think the only counter argument, and I agree with you, but I think the counter argument is, and I compared to our game, and I think it is something the union does better than us. Their consistency with calls and everything. With that sort of stuff, I find is my like. Whenever I'm sitting with rugby union fans, and that happens, something like that happens, they know exactly what's going to happen really? every single time. Oh, see, I've heard, I've read the opposite that it's inconsistent that other people get hit in the head, they get a yellow card instead of a red card. Oh, that's been my experience, and I, yeah. I think it is. And you know, I think that's a harsh penalty, one hundred percent. But I think this is a decision that union made a long time ago. You know, there's harsh penalties. And if it happens, you're going to go. And I think it has had a, you know, from what I've heard, it has, has a somewhat positive effect on it happening less and less. And I, you know, I look at rugby union and it's one thing that shits me about league, the amount of players that are running up screaming at referees in rugby league. Like you don't see it in union because you know if you do it, you're going to get sent from the field. Mm. So some of it, and I'm, I'm not saying I, I'm anti your argument. I actually agree with you. But I do think there are some positives in the way that union handles things at times. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that might be deeper, like a cultural thing. I still think that consistency shouldn't be your priority. The best game possible should be your priority, I, I think. Um, <coughs> maybe not your priority, but like we sit here every week asking for consistency. Yeah, but like, okay, with, with union, if you go, okay, consistency, then you'd be calling a penalty every fucking set. You'd be like, okay, this That's is what they're awesome. doing, aren't they? <laughs> Not every set, but you know, you know what I'm saying. In league, you'd be mm. calling one every set. I yeah, don't think yeah, consistency yeah. should be should trump what is the entertaining product that's going to make this game as big as possible. Like yeah, consistency yeah. doesn't make the game bigger. Mm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, whether it was or wasn't, I don't know. But I just in a World Cup final, 33rd minute for that to be the define essentially the defining moment. Now, people, again, I'm not having a crack at the rest, even though there were some really tough calls. Because, like, New Zealand still did miss two conversions. Like, they still did miss two conversions. Mm. Um, but I, I know I'm really biased as a leaguey. I just, for 70 minutes, that was not entertaining. Like, South Africa <laughs> have won four World Cup finals and scored one try. <laughs> yeah. You know what I found amazing in the week leading up to just some of the interviews with the South African coaches and stuff like They told us it was going to happen. Oh. Like, and they're just... Yeah, oh, I don't think it's entertaining either, but I, I, it does amaze me just how different it is to league. Like, imagine if we hyped up the grand final in the week leading up to it, being like, it's not going to be try scored. We're not going to score. It's going to be a defensive effort to see yeah. who comes out on top. Like, you have a look at South Africa, the way they picked their squad, they picked a team to suit the way that they wanted to play against New Zealand, which was, we're going to get penalties, we're going to kick goals. Yeah, we're just going to defend so much, wait for a penalty and kick goals. Yeah. I just, look, I, may, I don't know what the numbers are, like, growth-wise, worldwide, but like long term, how is that entertaining when you've got all these other crazy products that are yep. coming through? I just don't know. I don't know. And and people go, oh yeah, it's it's big worldwide. You're just worried about your little Australian rugby league or whatever. But if the local game fails, the international game fails. And so I'd love to know, like, is it growing in Europe? Is it, you know, is it not not growing? Is it are people loving it more or less? I, I don't know. I really don't know. But from my perspective. The excitement of MMA, boxing, UFC, obviously league for me, even soccer, like at least there's a flow to the game. At least there's there's you're seeing this kind of beautiful game unfold, whereas like league it's just like penalty, penalty. Like I think for the in the first half they combined ball in hand ran for hundred meters, both teams all together. And I think more and more now sport like 
you're not in the sport business, you're in the entertainment business. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, you, I mean, you look at America, like they are in the entertainment business. But, but as we always say on this podcast, like with Union, we don't know, guys. We are not sitting mm. here saying we're the authority. We are not. We understand. We definitely have bias because we're, you know, league fans. Um, feel sorry for the, the New Zealand side, though. They absolutely, to be in the game still with only 14 men, no, 13 men? 14 men. 14. 14, 14 men. Um, is amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Like they were, if Barrett hits that conversion, they win. Um, so the, the guts they showed against a rampaging South African side, so big. Picked what, seven forwards on the bench with one back? Yeah, I think. Something wild like that. Yeah. Like to stay in a game, a grind game like that with them, with one man down. Also, one of your men down is one of your best forwards. Especially when you consider three weeks ago New Zealand were three dollars fifty to beat Ireland, mate. Going into this three games ago, mate. Like, going into this World Cup, it was calling for heads. Yep. People thought New Zealand were done. The All Blacks were done. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. You guys get a chance to watch the World yeah, World? yeah, yeah, same thing. And you you mentioned before in the green room earlier, uh, Guru. You're talking about the uh, the way that they actually picked the <laughs> team with two guys who hadn't even basically played any games something at all. Like that, yeah, <clears throat> the five or something. Yeah, from and this is going off what my union mates told me, but apparently the 5'8 had hardly played this World Cup and they picked him because he was the best kicker. Shocked me, kicked him to a World Cup. Yeah. No, massive respect for hanging in there with, uh, yeah, best player and captain also. As well. Don't forget he's their captain, yeah. red-carded. Like, but, yeah, for me, very stiff. And I'm with you. I think, like, when you get to a final or a big event, even, like, for, for me, that didn't seem that brutal <laughs> or that bad, but you don't want your big events being, like, like that. Everyone's When you talk about the 2023 Rugby Union Grand Final, which in fairness I probably won't too much like mm. in these going down the track, but everyone's going to go, oh yeah, that was where he got red carded for a very contentious like. And it was a yellow card initially. Got yeah. upgraded. Yeah, like what the hell? Yeah, upgraded oh. from a sin bin to a sin. Imagine if that happened in rugby league. Oh, be fucking right. Yeah, right. Down the street. Um, and I like I I we're all for player safety. Yeah, we all for sure. But just with head highs, I just don't think people appreciate how if you drop. 10 centimetres. That's yeah. the difference. Between, like, what do you reckon? Was it 10 centimetres that was the difference between a red card and, and him staying on the field? The guy wasn't concussed that yep. he hit. The guy did. You know, I just – maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they've got it right. Maybe they nailed it and that's going to future-proof their game because they keep it really safe. But I tell you what, those scrums are going to – I feel like those scrums are going to do more to your head than yeah. those tackles are going to do. Just on scrums, people take the piss out of rugby league scrums. What's, what's the goal of a scrum? is to get all the forwards out of the way for one play, isn't it? And penalise you for dropping the ball. I would much rather watch a rugby league scrum where th that is achieved straight away mm. than two, like they just, they reset them three or four times. And then, the, you saw it with the South Africans the other day, the refs just standing there going, use it, use it, I just know. yelling at it to pull it out of the back and they're just pushing each other. And then even in the dying moments, they, so there's 30 seconds to go yeah. in the World Cup final. Yep. And the, the Kiwis are yelling, like, put it in, put it in. And the rest just like, no, no, it doesn't say anything because he didn't have the guts to call the penalty because he didn't put it in. And again, look, I don't know shit about Union, yeah. but he was clearly standing there with the ball in his hands, wasting time. Yep. Like, clearly wasting time. Yep. It's probably my biggest, and as you just mentioned, like, the entertainment game. Like, I, I've got a, a lot of mates that are very keen Union fans, and I watch <coughs> Union games with them, and, like, those scrums will happen, and they're talking about the body height and the, yeah. all this stuff, yeah. this technical stuff that they love and in a ruck. And I just sit there and I just go, how the fuck can that be? What intrigues you so much? Yeah. Each to their own. I don't understand it. It's so yeah. very cool. But I think it's because 
it's so brave it's so fucking tough mm. but it's also technical <coughs> like a, a rugby union scrum i think the appreciation appreciation comes from there's there's not many people in this world that mm. can do that yeah but I, I think it's something harder to appreciate for the average for person sure, than for sure. Payne Haas and Tino running oh, 100 miles yeah. an hour at James Harris this weekend. Like, I just think it's something that appeals to the like the general audience yeah. more. It's mate, it's incredible. The scrum, the actual scrum, and the feat that they do, not just once, but yeah. like time after time, it is nothing short of amazing. And the the bravery to just you got a you got fucking huge humans behind you. You're in the front line. Going boast like you imagine your neck, your shoulders—it's fucking brave as shit. But I agree with you. That doesn't—it's not entertaining though. Like I'm not sitting here going, "Wow, the intricacies is amazing." Yeah. So, whereas like when a when a soccer player traps a ball that's been kicked from 50 meters away, even if you don't enjoy soccer, you go, "Holy shit, that is amazing." Look, I've got mates that like they'll be a knock on the, the ref will go scrum and they'll sit there and go, "Beautiful," yeah. Let's, and I'm just sitting there, what the fuck, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just because... I don't understand yeah, it. Yeah. Understand <laughs> if you're a union man, you know how tough bizarre, it is. Yeah. And you know the battle that's going yeah. on. Um, but, yeah, look, mate, we're, we're probably all wrong and unions growing massively in the world or whatever. But, yeah, outside looking in, I'm just like... Got to the 70th minute, then I was like on the edge of my seat kind of stuff. Mm. But before that, I was just like, this is like, what's going on? And like, I remember the 2003 World Cup. Like, I was a kid. I didn't miss a game for mate, the lobby, sir. I, pff, I didn't even watch rugby. Still remember putting 100 on Namibia. Yeah. Matty Rogers scoring on the on the post. I still remember Johnny Wilkinson kicking kicking our World yeah. Cup dreams to death. He was so good, Johnny Wilkinson. Um, Cursing the Ambibians. <laughs> and they haven't got you know what they they got pumped ninety six nil or something. So that's their punishment mm. for wasting that hundred. I was bucks. watching. I saw a thing with Matt Rogers the other day that was saying in that World Cup, if Wilkinson missed that field goal. <coughs> He was called offside anyway, so it would have been a penalty. Oh, thank he God. It. Yeah. Thank God he nailed it then for Matty. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, oh. off, his, off his wrong foot, as you do. Oh, oh yeah. mate. He was, yeah, he's kicking. His. But yeah, anyway, as I said, we don't know, guys. We just very, not even, we couldn't even call us casual rugby union fans. Just watch it when it comes on the TV. Anything else on the World Cup? That's it for me. No? No. No. Um, but yeah, massive shout out to our New Zealand uh, listeners. We um, obviously sad for you. And I think you can still be incredibly proud of the boys. They came into this World Cup. A lot of people thought they weren't even going to bloody fire a shot. Got to a final, lost by a single point. And you could even argue one of their conversions. So the ref got it wrong. So Okay, so the ref calls a penalty in a World Cup final, guys. Calls a penalty. The guy sets up to kick, I think. New Zealand run over and go, bro, that's not a penalty. The ref watches, I think, the replay. Says, sorry, I got it wrong to the players, New Zealand players. Let's the penalty go ahead. So he, he had the power, I'm pretty sure, to step in and go, oh, we got this wrong, reverse the decision, because you can reverse tries as well. But he didn't. And they lost by a point. Oof. Do you want referees reversing penalties, sir? You uh, can't yeah, in not use the technology there, but then you use it to upgrade a yellow to a red. Can yeah, you? that's what I mean. If, if, if <laughs> you call a penalty, in, especially in Union, because it's so stop-start, who gives a shit? If you nah. call a penalty... And you can clearly see it's wrong. It's kind of like our drop. For example, in when uh, drop goals happen, uh, sorry, dropouts happen, they mm. they change that all the time. They watch it on the video replay. They go, oh yeah, got knocked out. Sweet, we'll just go for the twenty tap, mate. If you can clearly see a penalty's not a penalty, and you're saying sorry, got it wrong to the player, you should be like, boop, not a penalty. Um, <clears throat> anyway, Tyson Fury defeats Francis Ngannou. Did any boys get a chance to watch this? Allegedly defeats him. Yep. Yeah. Have you watched that? <laughs> Reportedly, yeah. that's what they're saying. Um, I just want to say quickly, first of all, what Francis Ngannou did to go split decision against Tyson Fury is unbelievable. 
But Francis Ngannou's story is, I believe, one of, if not the greatest sportsman story in the history of sportsman stories. Now, we're going to put a link in the show notes on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, of a YouTube documentary that tells you this guy's story. I'm telling you right now, you'll be watching it with your mouth ajar going, am I watching? This is too crazy to be true. So Francis Ngannou, uh, his story is amazing. And the fact that he came to become heavyweight champion of the world, UFC, goes over in his pro boxing debut, takes Fury to a split decision who a lot of people think, you know, Ngannou won, is like, it's a miracle. It's a genuine miracle. It is, I cannot express to you enough how insane it is for a guy in his first boxing match. I mean, a lot of people a few years ago had Tyson Fury as one of their greatest of all time. Mm. You know, he's ducked Usyk a little bit. Well, mm-hmm. allegedly a ducked Usyk, so people have kind of eased up on that. But Nganu, I couldn't believe, like, yeah, technically, some of his stuff wasn't that clean. I couldn't believe the fact that there was period. I mean, he dropped him in the third round. He mm-hmm. dropped the heavyweight champion of the world in the third round in his first. That is, un- like, I cannot, people, a lot of people think, okay, because he does MMA. Yeah, that's like essentially the same thing. <coughs> it's not even close. Like, boxing punches are way heavier and way more accurate and way more slick than MMA fighters. Like, it's not even close. We like going from NRL to AFL. <laughs> Mate, it's, yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah, they, they, run, they run the ball in their hand. In NRL, they do it in AFL. It is seriously unbelievable what Ngannou did. So in the show notes, please watch this documentary, guys. It, you will not be disappointed. It's, I believe, the greatest sporting story that I've ever – one of at least, one of – that I've ever seen. It's not very often someone tells you they've got the greatest story and it lives up to that. The one you told us this morning was pretty close. Yeah, and I don't want to spoiler alert it. I don't want to spoil you. Watch the YouTube. Told the boys just a a brief version of it. It is like mind-blowing stuff. What do you think of the fight? I'll 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 be watching. Uh, the amount of international travel alone, very impressive. Let alone all the other adversity. I mean, in there. I, I'm surprised you get frequent fly points. Yeah, <laughs> just the amount of visas and things. Anyway, go check it out. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. The fight. That's to the fight. As you said, dropped him in the third. Mm. All over him again in the eighth. Yep. I was like, he might even yeah. stop here. And then all the commentators and stuff at the end, they're like, all right, Fury's going to have to go for it here in the last round. He's going to have to go for a knockout, otherwise he can't win. And then it just looks like he Fury put the cue in the rack. He was just like dancing around him. Like, especially that last minute, he was like, hardly threw a punch. Mm. So I was thinking about this on the way here. I, I mean, I'm not going to come here on your podcast, Campy, and suggest that a panel of boxing judges <laughs> assembled by Saudi oil barons might have been a little bit contentious. But it smelt a bit fishy when the results came out <laughs> at the end of all that. Well, and I'm a big Tyson Fury fan. I love him. I've read his book and mm. um, I, I buy, you know, especially his last fights, like last couple of years, I'm, I always watch him, but like far out. I think mm. um, I couldn't believe that he got the, the win here. And for context of like, why would that happen? And I, look, I'm, I'm with you. I would never sit on this podcast and assume there's any corruption in boxing. Wouldn't, wouldn't dream. <laughs> but there's, there's supposed to be Fury versus Usyk. It was supposed to be in December. Yep. But... Probably, and this is a mega fight. We're talking, you know, this will go, this will be a mega fight. Hundreds of millions of dollars made. If Fury loses to Nganu, that fight doesn't go ahead. Yep. Um, but in saying that, you know, when you look at it, you go, well, hang on a sec. If Nganu beats Fury, what's the, what's the rematch going to make? Yeah. So, oh, any short-sighted. Just, uh, just, I don't know if you've seen the uh, photos today that we're doing the rounds on social media. Yeah, and, like, different face. I mean, holy Heck is he yeah, look, looked like he got absolutely flogged and Ngannou looks like he could jump straight back in there and go again today. Look, I'm, I, look, I think Ngannou won it. Yep. But I'm not, I don't think it's a robbery, like in, in the sense that like it, 
is wasn't even close. Like, I, it was a close fight because Tyson Fury made it a close fight by not really engaging and just staying on the outside and not risking much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like there was no way Ngannou's winning that on points. Like when you consider what's the, the boxing world yep. and the money that because like again for context, guys, Fury had reportedly already signed a contract with Usyk to fight him in however many months. Now, the date hadn't been locked in, but the contract to fight has been signed. Fury's come out since and said, we will be fighting, but it won't be in December, it'll be next year. I personally think Fury, I think the warrior fire is, is no longer there. Yeah. I think that he's, he's done his dash, he's achieved greatness. I, that Fury we saw yesterday is not the same Fury that we saw against Deontay Wilder, in yeah. my opinion. Yep. Um, even talking out of the fight, Tyson Fury is usually like this, and yeah. may, maybe it's a good thing that he's like this because it's it'd be hell living with a person that's up and down, up and down. And we, he's talked about his mental health battles all the time. But even after the fight, he was really just like just flat like that, yeah. which is not a bad thing. But if you're a boxer, you can't really afford to just be like you need to have that fire and that tenacity. And I think that I think Fury's got one more big fight in him, and then I think he should yeah, yeah. quit because he he just doesn't look like the same monster even in the lead up. He, he Go, go back and watch, and I, he was dealing with a lot of mental health stuff, but go back and watch his lead up with, um, oh, my God, the first guy he beat that was a world champ for ages. Russian. Oh, uh, Klitschko. Sorry? Klitschko. 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 Yeah. Go back and watch that, or go back in the, the lead up for Deontay Wilder. Yeah. Then go back, and I know he respected Ngannou and all that. I get all that. Um, but it was just the energy was just a, more subdued, which is probably a good thing for his mental space because he doesn't want to be up and down all the time. But, yeah, I, I think the Warrior Fire is – He's always going to be a warrior, but I think it's just dimmed a little bit. You know who was taking the tough carry on the energy at those press conferences was John Fury. He has gone to another level of unhinged in the last couple of (laughs) Head-butting glass panels in the Fury-KSI fight. Yep. Bloody, mate, he's such a big human. Absolutely. And the pair of them actually would be elite contenders in the budgie smuggler ordinary rig. Well, (laughs) Well, they'd win it because they're the ordinary rig, but they're fucking monsters. Absolutely. But um, yeah, he's uh, and he's. He, <clears throat> he, I don't know if you saw him talking to Mike Tyson. I know, like basically calling Mike Tyson out for Tyson's a fight, like, like laughing, going, "Bro, <laughs> what are you doing?" Yeah, um, um, yeah. But anyway, Ngannou, I don't even want to see him in MMA anymore. He signed with the PFL, which is like a competitive UFC, but obviously nowhere near as big. I don't want to see him in MMA. I just want to see him boxing Wilder. Yep. I want to see him boxing Joshua. Like keep him in boxing. Yeah. Um, boys, anything, Dad? Personal question for you. Yeah. What would you have as your top three favourite sports? It always amazed me how passionate you are about uh, MMA, boxing, cricket. Obviously, league. one of them. Cricket, right cricket. up there with the best of them. <laughs> cricket, live and breathe. Oh, yeah. I, w- I walked past Kempy in the hallway this morning. He was checking out the uh, the Man United, Man City highlights. Yeah, so yeah. Soccer could be up there. I, you oh, know what I do? Course. I often walk around. And I just go. <laughs> <laughs> nice high top elbow. Just, just that's what I usually do. Just Lefty Kempy. Well, not really, but just I like cricket. To, I'm trying to ambidextrous. I'm yeah. Trying to like be able to hit with both ways. Yeah. So maybe that's why that does that explain to you what I am? Cricket? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, cricket. No, no, it would be it would be um it would be league, a good boxing fight. Yeah. But on average MMA is better, UFC. So UFC you you're gonna see sparks fucking pretty mm. constant, whereas sometimes in boxing it can just be a chess match and you're just like, fuck, this is boring as shit. But a good boxing fight, if not a good boxing fight, it goes league, MMA, boxing. So soccer not in the throat? No, nah, I don't watch soccer. I don't yeah, really watch. Okay. I mean, I watch it when it comes on and that. And I've been watching a little bit lately because of uh, Ange Postelic. I can't even say his last name. <laughs> What's, how do you say it? Postacoglu. Postacoglu. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, no, I don't. Well, I stopped watching soccer when I stopped playing it. I just yeah, right. I don't know. Just not Postacoglu. Soccer is soccer is sacked Postacoglu. <coughs> I know. Imagine how good Graham Arnold's going to be when he gets over in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, Soccer things. Australia, like, yeah. Look, no, anyway. <laughs> I, got, I, I got another left field question for you, Campy. This is just out of my own curiosity that's popped up quite recently in the last fifteen twenty minutes. We all know the beak used to run sub ten hundreds. Oh. The man, the man could move. Is the beak still quick? Have you still got it or not? I, I well, not right now. Terra Hammy, but thirty six years old. Maybe I should what start training again. When was the last time you've been at full flight? Oh, mate. 10 years. Like, what? I'm 36. 10 years? 10 years? Because I don't play any. I, I, I should get into normal sport again. I might go play soccer again. Like Oztag? Yeah, maybe Oztag. I don't know. I've been itching for a little bit of soccer lately. I don't know why. I don't know why. Like five-a-side? No, go to the fucking real game. Go play for a local Sydney, the local Sydney league, mate. Yeah, right, eh? Um, <laughs> you imagine the crowds They'd be getting In the fucking game <laughs> What's your return To soccer yeah. <laughs> I'd love that the, the, the biggest League league podcast Is playing soccer For like Fucking local Sydney side The fucking flares In the crowd Down at Heffron Would be great <laughs> i tell you what I know who's winning In a fight League fans <laughs> um, Don't take that Seriously soccer fans <laughs> Jesus Christ It's a joke that was taken out of context. Like flares outside the studio. We're about soon. to get a flare through yeah. the window. Hooligans will come through here. Um, okay, let's get into it. International Australia defeats New Zealand, thirty-six to eighteen. Um, oh, look, for forty minutes, really good match. For forty minutes, I thought the halves in New Zealand were really good, but for the eighty-minute performance, Australia just showed you why they are another level above New Zealand at this stage. Uh, the clinical nature of some of the key players was the difference between Australia and New Zealand. You look at Harry Grant's pass and like Collins, like think about this. Collins and Harry Grant have played, they play Origin together sometimes. He comes off the bench. They've played barely any footy together. But the intelligence to be on the ball like that from both players that don't play together shows you that there is an elite standard that these top tier players are at they don't even need to play together. They just know that there's this elite standard they all need to meet. That ball to Collins to score, just heads up footy like that, you, that's a mixture of skill, intelligence, mental toughness, fitness, everything you want to see in a footy field. Then you go and you look at a guy like Cam Murray, who I personally thought was man of the match. That out ball he started hitting with Hines, this is cream of the crop stuff. And for it to gel as quickly as – I mean, Hines comes on the field mm. – in 10 minutes, he's hitting out balls and unders balls, and we're getting quick play the balls and scoring tries. Uh, Hamiso, one-on-one mm. on one against Manu. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, did anyone see Hamiso be able to come in and lock Manu down? Now, I could have seen a battle that went back and forth, but not Hamiso going, locking him down one-on-one. Now, you could argue that there was a one-on-once or twice where Manu got the ball passed to his winger, but that's not really a one-on-one beat. That's usually the inside man is jammed in and someone else hasn't. Like, this Australian side, there's, what is, I would love to know how Mal Meninga coaches because he makes decisions that I don't necessarily agree with and they don't even really work that well sometimes. But then you look at the scoreline and you're like, like, for example, perfect example, Dylan Edwards. Gets picked, gets put on the wing. A lot of people are like, what the hell? I mean, I, I personally, I didn't mind it. But a lot of people are like, what the hell? And 
it's kind of worked. Like he has ran a fair few meters, but he's also made some really basic errors. But would would you say it's been a bad decision? It hasn't been a bad decision. Uh, bringing Hines, putting him on the bench. A lot of people are going Hines. Like, what? Wouldn't you just bring in another? Why'd you bring in Hines when you can? All, all that kind of stuff. And then he comes on and he does that. Like Malmeninga's ability to make certain things that aren't really by the script. Like, you know, I know I don't want to bring it up, but how many times in Queensland did a player get selected and you go, what the fuck is going? That guy should not be playing Origin. Comes out to Origin and kills it. Mm. And we look at this Australian side and he puts, like, he locks Murray in on that edge. Now Murray looks like he's been playing edge for all year. I thought Australia were outstanding. New Zealand were good, but very disappointing in that second 40. Gave me PTSD at one point when they flashed up to Mal Meninga and guess who was sitting fucking next to him? Michael Hagen, again. <laughs> Just gave me flashbacks for those eight years of seeing that, that fucking coaching room up there with those two sitting there. Uh, mate, uh, you mentioned already, but I, I just thought Hamiso was off his head. He, the job that he did on Joey Manu, and there, there was one play that stood out for me, and obviously the try that he set up where Joey Manu didn't get a hand on him, but there was, a, there was another play in that game where Manu got the ball and Hamiso was on the back foot. He actually he corkscrewed him. So at one point, Hamiso showed his number mm. to Joey Manu. That is the worst position to be in as a defender. I've never seen a guy look more comfortable with his back to the defensive line. He was not panicked in the slightest and still managed to make the tackle on Joey Manu. He, must, he might have the best balance. It, uh, balance is the key. In the game. It's unbelievable. It's, it's one of the, Greg Inglis's most undersung yeah. uh, attributes is his balance so that any time he's about to make contact or about to be tackled, his body is perfectly framed to put as much strength as possible into whatever needs to happen, whether it's a fend, whether it's a tackle. Hamiso's balance, like to get the ball with Joey Manu, immediately, not the normal overs line, which is usually, you know, diagonal forward. He goes, oh, I can feel Manu already here. I'm going directly straight to my left. The balance to do that is unbelievable. On top of all that, Joey Manu, 17 tackles. So Hamiso, this is Hamiso's stats against Joey Manu. 17 tackles, zero missed. Are you kidding me? And it's not like Joey Manu had a quiet night. He had 15 runs <laughs> of the football for a centre. You could tell he was angry. Yep. You could tell Manu was like, fucking, this is not working at the moment. Oh, mate, Hamiso is seriously like... Every time we think we've reached his ceiling, he goes even higher. And you mentioned there how, like, in some moments with his balance, he reminds you of GI because he centers himself and then he's so strong. But then, like, that try scored in the weekend, like, that was Steve. Sorry, the try set up. That was Steve Renoff oh, today. He's catching it and going from essentially standing still mm. to top pace in a split second. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, mate, that, that was a thing of beauty. And you're right. That was Steve Renoff. I don't know whether they invented the out ball, but it used to be called an out ball, the Broncos, where. Yeah, you'd hit him on that overs yeah, line. He'd be without the ball. And yeah. Renault, uh, Renoff would already be two metres to your left or right and almost run directly. But the, the interesting thing about Hamiso is he caught it, then he went out. So it was purely his decision to go, all right, I've got no time here, so I'm just – I am blown away by it, him. It was so. one of the all-time great moves mm. he put on there. It's like it wasn't even you know, the, the throw line, he didn't touch him. Johnny Manu literally did not touch yeah. him. <laughs> And he was squared out with him one on one. Yeah. And you mentioned came like every time you think we think he sort of hit his ceiling or thereabouts, he goes to another level. I don't think we're even close to the bloke's yeah. ceiling. I think it's, he's got so far to go. This is a bloke who's just swapped between you know wing, centre, fullback, young in his career, and he's he's beginning to get to that point where he realizes how much better he is than everyone on the field. Not everyone on the field, mm. but 
how much better he can be. Mm. And with his speed and he mentally these things, balance, how good he is defensively. I think you're trying to get into his head now. They're kind of like, no, 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 I'm not like just making up a number here and, and being a solid NRL player and a solid test and mm. origin player. He goes, I can be the best player potentially in the world. Yeah. He's yeah. a freak. And yeah, you know, we mentioned before how, you know, that move kind of looked like Steve Renoff. The other thing that always shocked me was Steve Renoff. <clears throat> he was one of the fast guys on the field, but he always ran as fast as he needed to. Yeah, I know. And not. Any faster. Yeah. I feel like Hamiso is exactly the same. Like, I would go as far to say Hamiso is so talented, if he doesn't win a Dally M, he hasn't fulfilled his potential. Like, that's how good of a player I think he is. And in the next 10 years, if he hasn't won a Dally M, I'll be shocked. Now, take aside the system and, you know, mm. is he in a team that gets spread around or whatever. But that's how good I think he is. That's he, how good I think he is. He's a huge smoky next year. Yeah. Because you mentioned, like, you know, the faults of the system and whatnot. He's had a Dolphin side without a lot of stars where if Hammer hits, you know, he's already hit his potential. Mm. He's a freak. But as a star fullback for that side, you know, if they make a run to the A and put some wins together, he could be racking up points. Just 22. Yeah. 22. If, if he has another game like he's had in these last two to start the series, where, do, you reckon, do you reckon he's in the conversation for the Golden Boot? I think he'd be the favourite right now. Yeah, yeah. I, you know and, what? And that, that award's a bit whacked how they do it. Mm. But as far as origins and internationals, I think he's been top three best on the field in every single rep game this year. And like, it's what's crazy is, okay, you think about his big moments. Like, you go, okay, go against Samoa, mm. that incredible try. Then you go, oh, he was the guy that gassed in that game one against New South Wales. That That's essentially, that's, the, that's a play that won the series. If that play doesn't happen... New South Wales win game one, game three, probably. Or maybe, you know, we, we don't know. But even Freddie Fittler said, Is there, do you have any regrets? And Freddie Fittler was like, game one. Game one, in, we really should have won that, that match. Um, man, he is so 22 years old. Think about when he has four or five more years of ball playing. The thought of the next 10 years, potentially the rest, of Hammer, KP and Walsh. KP obviously oh. like a little bit older. Mm. But like it's just oh. being superstars of our game. Two of those blokes can't get picked at number one for their, their oh, own state. Like Hammer, there's been enough good early signs of him at fullback and his ball playing. He's got a long way to go, but it'll come, I think. Mm. Those three headlining our game for the next 10 years. Isn't it great too when you look back in hindsight and like, we're all guilty of it. Like, geez, Dolphins, they don't have a marquee player. <laughs> Wayne's sitting there going, stick your marquee player up your ass. Yeah. I had yeah. the marquee world player. Oh, mate. None of you had any idea. Because, like, think, like, outside of. Maybe Paddy Carrigan. Oh, you could actually, there's probably a couple others, but he's probably been the most consistent. I mean, that's why he'd win Golden Boot, but in every single huge game, Queensland, <coughs> Australia, he has been in the top three players, most mm. like Without a doubt. And yeah. so you're just sitting there going at 22 years old, playing out of position, being in the top three players. Like, what can this kid do? Yeah. Imagine, imagine in January if we sat and had a conversation that said in 10 months' time, the favourites with Golden Bird would be Hammer and Lindsay Collins. Yeah, so <laughs> true. I mean, <laughs> this is a guy who couldn't get a start. And look, rightly so, they had their set up at the, the Cowboys or whatever. But to think a guy like that was sitting on a bench or not even getting a start. And, and this isn't a, oh, silly Cowboys. It totally understandable. We've got Scotty Drinkwater twice in the Dallium top five. You're not going to change that around, but... Jeez, it shows you that like certain players just need an opportunity at certain clubs to just bring the best out of them. And isn't it just no shock whatsoever? You know, Steve Renolf's come up for me three times. Who got the absolute best out of Steve Renolf? Yeah. Wayne yeah. Bennett, yeah. 30 years ago. Mate, he is so special. And it's so like, as you said, opportunities at clubs, yes, for sure, but 
opportunities under Wayne Bennett. Yeah. He just does it again. Oh, I'd love to know how much they got him for. <laughs> it's got to be massive unders. Huge unders, yeah. Because, like, you'd have to say, if he's consistent, that's the only, he's only, I guess, um, club issue is just consistency throughout a whole season. Yeah. Um, if he sorted that out, he's a guaranteed million-dollar player. Mm. Like, easy. Easy. Isn't it unbelievable? And this is, you know, with all due respect to Scotty Drinkwater, isn't it crazy that you could have a player like Scott Drinkwater <clears throat> who could have won a Dallium this year if he didn't get suspended if he would have played more games and maybe you still made the wrong decision? Yeah. It's Just wild. shows how much talent they had. Yeah. And it wasn't that long ago their second choice fullback was Kalen Pong when they let him go as yeah. well. Seriously amazing, like watching him play. And just, he's just, he, Steve Renoff is a perfect example because if you want to watch the beauty of rugby league, you watch Steve Renoff or you watch GI, you know, in the, in the open field. And it's the same with the hammer. If you want to watch the, the, the real cream of the crop stuff that like puts bums on seats, you've got all the tough stuff of rugby league and we all love it, but the stuff that's almost beautiful to watch, it's hammer in open field, just gliding. Mm. That's the stuff I want to watch, not scrums. That's, yeah. that, that's what I was trying to say before. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the stuff <laughs> that stands out for me. For sure. And that's why I remember, like, back in the day, I remember, like, is it Rocco and all <laughs> those guys? The way they used to play for the All yep. Blacks, they were so quick. And it was always the argument, like, who's the fastest, you know, union player anyway? I was always a Mills Mooley Iena kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, mate, Hamiso was absolutely outstanding. Now, onto some other boys that played really well. Just. Okay, it's, it's crazy to think like a guy like Daly Cherry Evans that we've got a guy like Cleary who isn't playing and we've got DCE who it's almost like, I mean, I would put Cleary there just because of future, but is the team yet lesser with Cleary in it? Uh, sorry, with DCE in it? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Uh, I want to talk about Cam Murray. Mm. Mate, how good was it to see Cam Murray not having to make 1,000 tackles <sighs> and just get some good ball around him. Just get some people working for him. Getting him in the positions. Because, like, this is the... And I spoke about it with Jake Dravojevic as well. This is what I dislike sometimes. And I understand why coaches do it and clubs do it because they're just worried about their role and they're worried about, you know, winning games immediately. But you get a guy like Cam Murray that you need to protect him from himself. But a lot of coaches go, he's so good in the middle there getting through a mountain of work. I need him there, otherwise we don't win games. But first of all, his career will be shorter. He won't be as explosive as he gets older. And that's where I look at the weekend and I go, look what, look how much of us forgot that this guy was a gun coming through school in Union, but also he has great line running, great footwork, great speed. Whereas we just get so used to, oh, quick play the ball and good ball playing at 13. And then you watch him on the weekend, you go, this guy is a friggin' fantastic edge back rower and deserves, well, I mean, look, he's the captain of the club, so he's going to choose what he does, but deserves at least an opportunity to showcase this high-end attacking ability. He was amazing, absolutely amazing. All of his runs were decisive. He never got dominated. Uh, and he's playing in a position that he hasn't really played that much. I, I thought he was outstanding. Yeah, and once again, he just gives us a little reminder, like, you know, 25 years ago, there was a guy named Bradley <coughs> Clyde in the comp who was the most complete forward, mm. middle, edge, whatever it was. Cam Murray's that guy. Mm. Like, yeah. he can play. Like, we only ever see him play through the middle, but he jumps on the edge. Whenever he does, he's, he's absolutely killed it. Like, what, isn't, is that like his seventh game in a row with a try or something? Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's a record. He's tracking down the record Equal, of Ron Coote. Record. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah I, I think he's the most... But there's forwards like Payne Haas who can do incredible things. I think Cam Murray's the most complete forward in well, our game. Cam Murray, you could play him, obviously. 13, front row, 
You could also play him edge. You could play him centre at a pinch. Mm, like sure. his ability to play anywhere. And that's where I go, I personally believe, and it's very easy for me to say, I don't have the pressures of winning games immediately, but I don't think Rabideau's going forward can afford to have him playing these long minutes. If you care about his longevity and him impacting the club over a long period of time, they need to find a way to reduce his workload through the middle there, whether it's recruiting someone that can come in and fill in, whether it's Whiten that comes in and plays 13 for a bit and he moves <laughs> to the edge. Because on the weekend, I just think, like, you can't have him doing all the shit work. Get someone else to do shit work that has such, attack, like, such an upside in attack. That's a spot we didn't talk about for Jack Whiten last week. Did you see that as a potential? I, I do see it, but I don't see it for long period. I don't think he has a fitness to be in 13, but I do see it as in going in there to give Cam Murray a breather. Like, I personally believe that shit dog work for the dogs, it's for guys that don't have much attacking upside. That's who you want doing that shit. You don't want your guys that can be Ferraris in attack. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't going to be periods in games where Cam Murray gets through a million tackles, but you don't want him doing it week in, week out. Get yeah. someone else that just tackles their asses off to take care of that. Then he can pick and choose where he enters the, enters the battle. And that, that elongates his career. Um, and we see he's attacking upside. Because mm. on the weekend, he was outstanding. Yeah. The, uh, the word toey Kemp has been thrown about <laughs> a bit this podcast. But after that, or during the Haka, when they go and match oh. the Aussies face-to-face... Nelson Osofa Solomona, one of the world's largest human beings, oh, is just like nose to nose to Cam Murray, going like, I'm going to kill you. And Cam Murray is just staring back into his soul, going, fucking come at me, bro. Yeah, I'll, bro. I'll end you. <laughs> I like, I wet my pants watching it. Yeah. And Cam Murray's going, Too I'll fold chains. you. And I, what I love about that is it's, it's the confidence in, okay, you might win the first tackle, the second tackle, maybe even the third tackle but I'm going to be here for 80 minutes oh. and my effort in the 79th minute is going to be as mm. tough as my effort in the first minute. You have to ask yourself the question, can you do that? Can you do that? And that's why Cam Murray can stand there and go, but I'm going to be here all day, baby. I'm going to be here all day. You look at like he had that, you know, the, the, the crowning moment of the game, the late try, that beautiful line he ran off Nico. But you look at his, like Cam Murray's so... Famous and so valued for his quick play the balls and the impact that that has, has for years as a middle forward. And you think, you know, maybe does he lose a little bit of that on the edge uh, or does the side he's playing for lose it? He was the last play the ball before that Lindsay Collins second try and before the Ben Hunt try. Lightning quick play the balls. He ran that beautiful overs line just before the Lindsay Collins second try. You know, it doesn't notch up as a try assist in the stat sheets, but they were his try assist, so they were brilliant. And it sort of slipped under the radar, but that tackle that I think it was Brett Nicotero made on him mm. to stop that try, oh. 10 out of 10. <laughs> what? Mate. He had no right to make that tackle. Well, again, only right? Britton Nicotta yeah. is making that tackle because he's so good defensively. Yeah. But this, we're talking about a guy, Nicotta, who is known for his defence. Cam Murray just did that. It's just yeah. incredible. You, you know who would have been toey seeing um, Cam Murray kill it on an edge uh, during that game? Madge. Yes. Get him out there on the for the Blues. I mean, look, I'm not even a Blues man. I've been <laughs> championing this. Get him. Because, like, I just believe that he can play edge. Mm. He did a job on Fafita. But also, he is way too good not to have on the field for 80 minutes. Like, you need a guy like that mm. on the field for 80 minutes. And matter of fact, if you go back and look at the history of the New South Wales Blues over the last five years, any time that you guys have, like, lost games that you should win or whatever, he's either been injured or not available or he's been on the bench. Most games that he's started, you guys have, or mm. series where he's starting, you guys win. Um, 
Because didn't he end up playing 13 in that game three? Yeah, and we I think we all sort of walked away from that series going, okay, yeah. maybe he should be the 13. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how quickly oh, things mate. change again? We know like that he's one of the best forwards in the game. I still think he's so underappreciated by people. We know he's good. Mm. He's fucking unbelievable. He's unbelievable. What he does is unbelievable. Yeah. Like seriously unbelievable. And like imagine being a wide running forward or edge back oh sorry, a edge back row or a seven or a six going, Oh fuck, I've got a Mark Cam Murray today. Because it wouldn't it's not the big hit that you have to worry about. It's the freaking quick play the balls. Yeah. How how do you win the ruck? How do you win that tackle? You're almost guaranteed. Whereas in the middle of the field, he still gets quick play the balls because he's such a freak. But you have some protection. Like if I can just hold him up and the boys can come in and turn him over, on the edge, you've got no chance. Mm. You've got no chance of holding him up. He must be a hard guy to play as well. Like I, I, I looked at that game on the weekend and, you know, James Fisher Harris is going at them 100 miles an hour. And I imagine if you're a front row looking at Fish going, this bloke's a fucking arsehole. I can get myself up for this. Yeah, Cam Murray, like yeah. you want him to date your sister. I know. <laughs> I know. He's so nice. So nice. Yeah. It's just, but he's just an absolute terminator. Absolutely. Animal, mate. Yeah, Cam Murray for me, he was man of the match. I thought he was outstanding. He ended up so on an edge. Obviously played 80, scored that try. Bit of bit of GI Goanna about him with the tongue out. Didn't mind it. <laughs> um, 15 runs, 146 metres, 50 post contact, which was um, one of the better of the, you know, on an edge, one of the better of, like, to, to get that on an edge, pretty good. Anyway, uh, three tackle breaks, a line break, 22 tackles, zero misses. Like, what a knock. You just mentioned to his face when he scored that try. And <coughs> Have you got a mic, Matty? You don't do No, like, I, I just remember watching his face as South Sydney's season just fell into a heap oh. this year. Like, he was beside himself yeah. the entire year, uh, well, for the entire second half of the year. So, mate, even just good to see him enjoying himself again. Because, yeah. God, that would, that would have kept him awake at night. It's like Tino a couple of weeks ago. Now, obviously, you know, Tino does enjoy himself at club, but just getting these top-tier guys an opportunity to play in top top tier yeah. you know teams and yeah like think think about like the skill set to to hit that overs line that's not an easy line to time that's not easy and they both did it and hadn't played together literally zero games together essentially yeah. and they just go bang speaking about guys enjoying themselves in good systems what about when Benny Hunt kicked that ball up after he scored did that come <laughs> oh, down yet or what <laughs> no yeah. seriously jeez he is like Again, another guy where you go, look, he signed the contract, he got paid millions. So it's hard to feel sorry for a millionaire if he is a, you know, anyway, it's hard to say for a guy getting paid a million dollars a year. But at the same time, you're like, geez, I wish you could do this week and week out, brother, because he is so crafty. Jeez, he's crafty. Um, another guy I want to talk about. And he didn't, didn't stand out crazy or whatever. Matter of fact, some people might think that he didn't have the craziest game. I love Thomas Flegler's game. Mm. I thought that... When I watch a forward battle, we all love the big hits. We know Fisher-Harris is tough. Everyone knows that. It's a sure thing. He's one of the toughest in the NRL. But when I watch rugby league, I get more excitement out of seeing what does the guy that gets shot at do next? Does he go hiding? Does he fall back on, oh, yeah, but I, I'm a flat-track bully. I can dominate teams that, you know. Or does he have a dig at the bigger dog in the yard and he still may come off second best? Now, go back. You watch Flegler get shot at by Fisher-Harris and the boys. So they're clearly aiming at him all night long. If you go back and watch Fisher Harris's, I think, next two runs, who's trying to hit Fisher Harris? It's Flegler. And so even though you could argue Fisher Harris won the battle, Flegler didn't take a step back, was getting bullied all, well, not bullied, he was trying to get, they were trying to bash him all night long, and every single time he was having a dig. 
and it just puts him in good stead. I said it last this season, sorry, that just went by. I think he is going to be something special in the Origin Arena over the next 10 years. And the game on the weekend confirmed it. His stats aren't crazy. He didn't do some huge play. But when, when he was on the canvas and had a big dog hunting him, he said, oh, let's go, baby. Let's go. Yeah, and old mate uh, Clint Eastwood would have been sitting there at the Dolphins <laughs> going. Oh, beautiful. Got another one. Got another one, probably for market yeah, yeah. value. Join him with Tom Gilbert next year. I'll be good as gold. I was just going to say, he's such a Wayne Bennett signing. He's yeah. the kind of player that he just knows that 80th minute when he's absolutely gassed and there's a minute to go in a grand final, he'll be like flying across the field to try and make a tackle because he'll just give absolutely everything. That is said, Kempi. Gets absolutely flawed and he, he gets up for it. Doesn't worry him. He's good to go. It's such a Wayne Bennett signing. And the thing, uh, people go, oh, yeah, all NRL forwards do that. No, they don't. Uh, no, 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 they don't. There's plenty of NRL forwards. And like rightly so. Look, you just got bashed. You're all rattled. Like, yeah, whatever. Very few NRL forwards go, okay, I just got absolutely shotted. Drop the ball. I'm on my debut. Come back and go, I'm going to try and shot you. And he tried to shot him. Fisher-Harris, so... Flegler won the contact, but then Flegler dropped to the floor. So he and then Fisher Harris bounced back, and then Benny Hunt took him. So Fisher Harris bounced back and lost meters, but Flegler ended up on the floor again. He just went again. He just went again. Like that—that's that is a sign of true toughness, in my opinion. Anyone can be, and look, I'm not saying Fisher Harris isn't tough. He's the toughest in the comp, pretty much. So I'm, this isn't specifically targeted him. But anyone can be the big dog when you get the win. How do you react when you get the loss? How do you react when you're on the canvas? And Flegler proved it on the weekend. And I, I was thinking about it after that, you know, just, just watching Fish Harris in that game. Like, as far as most intimidating guys in rugby league, Mate. he is skyrocketing up that list of all-timers for me. Like, Mate, I'm, I, he, I reckon he's a guy, and we've said it time and time again, you put him against all the old great forwards, front rowers that were scary, and he goes toe-to-toe with every single one of them, in my opinion. Toe-to-toe with... I don't think there's a single forward of the past, front rower, that wouldn't walk off the field and say, I don't respect mm. that bloke. What about that head clash he had oh. with Joe mate? <laughs> mate. They would have retired. I think they went playing rugby union, they would have both been red-carded. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would have called the game off. Yeah, they, they said, mate, that's, that's wild. It. Somebody kick a penalty goal or we, that we're done. <laughs> <laughs> or pack a scrum. But, but that, even that was, after that, when the trainer was talking to him, like, you could tell the trainer was talking about going off and he was just like, what do you mean? Mate. Me? Just where he, and he had, he already had the head tape on yeah. and then he went to touch it again and he was like, oh, like, he'd done it again. Yeah. And he'd, he'd, already, he'd already bled through one jersey and they had Crazy. to go and change him again. Mate, Crazy. he is a beast. Yeah. He truly typifies like the mouldy warrior spirit. Yeah. Like he's a guy, if I'm like on my little canoe and I'm rolling in, I've just discovered New Zealand <laughs> and he's standing there like a fucking warrior. I'm going, oh, you turn, baby. You turn. I'm going to go find somewhere else. Thank you very much. What about just before, after their harker when they approached the kangaroos, the camera was, I saw some social media content and he gives a little grin mm. and then he just goes and he flips into that warrior oh, mode yeah. and it was fucking terrifying. Oh, it's crazy. Crazy. He would be riding through villages, taking, pillaging, pillaging my Xbox. <laughs> take my friggin' Xbox, maybe my PlayStation. Come on, brah. You can take the food. You can take the resources. Don't take the poly PlayStation. <laughs> um, now, I, uh, some other players that played really well. Um, when Harry Green came on. Oh. <laughs> you serious? <laughs> Seriously? Is it Joe? He, like, he must give forward packs absolute nightmares where they just go, it doesn't matter what happens. This guy is going to constantly keep me on my toes and I can't get up and shot him. There was a moment in that game where there was a tackle and he was at dummy half and the, t- the, ta- the kangaroo got put on his back. So they'd lost the tackle, it was slow, and you could see Harry was bumping on his toes behind the play of the ball. 
It was a slow play of the ball. They lost all momentum and he scooted. He, he got the markers offside. I know. And I got know. a penalty for Ran it. Ran straight at him. It was the slowest play of the ball yeah. of all time, but just the way he just made them panic straight away. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think it was Nelson. Nelson, he just went boom, straight back into him. Nelson t- tackled him. Pen- ah, six Insane. again. Yeah. Mate, he is just so silky smooth. And just that, you know, just to reiterate that try assist that he oh. had. Champagne. That seed. Yep. To the seed gobbler himself. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was glorious. It's like this is my thousand seed for the day. Yeah. <laughs> Give it here. I love seeds. I don't know what to do with this. Give it here. Bang. Try number two. Yeah, that was so good. Because that, that fifteen minutes where he came on just before halftime just totally just took it to another gear. Yeah. Yeah. And and it really showed you how how much New Zealand missed a genuine hooker. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. top tier. They can go tick for tat, and it would have been so good for. T- like, I, I would love to have seen Cheese versus Grant. Like, oh yeah, just going at each other. It's talk about that pass he threw to Lindsay Collins. Like, I forget who the first player was that he faceballed, but like, when it went past the first player, I, I went, "Fuck Harry!" I yeah. thought he got it wrong. Yeah, he just knew what he was doing the entire time. Just hit the space. Yeah, and he knew fucking avocado man was flying yep. through. <laughs> <laughs> Scary thing with Harry as well is that he, like, his running game's outstanding. He's got good awareness. But, you know, his game management is still got a bit of a ways to go. It's very good, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, like, there's still so much improvement left in him, sure. which is terrifying. I assume he's probably doing work with Cam Smith. Is he storm number nine? Or Me too. You'd hope so. <laughs> you too. Yeah, I'm, I'm down there too. Just like, Harry, fucking pass the ball off the deck, mate. What? Hands follow the ball, mate. So I tell him. Hands follow the ball. Wherever you want the ball to go, that's where your hands should end up, mate. So I tell him. Really uh, good advice, and it looks like he's taken on board. So. Yeah, I mean, look. Cricket whisperer, footy whisperer, whatever you want, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, Harry again. Like, we're talking about Cam Murray about protecting them and making sure they have the best career possible. Harry Grant's a perfect example. Like, don't have that bloke 80, playing 80 minutes. I'm sure he wants to play 80. We know he can get through 80. Is, that, is he going to have the best career and is he going to impact the club as much as he can by playing 80 minutes every single week? He might initially. Is he going to do it for 10 years? I don't know. I don't know mm. if that's possible. And it's the same with Cam Murray. Like, yeah, it's what you need right now, but is there a way you can recruit where you get someone in to do the tough stuff and then you you bring in the other the Cam Murray attack or the Harry Green attack? Yeah, the more I think about the Melbourne Storm, the more I think like they need to find a Chris Randall. Yeah, just to tackle their arse off. Yeah, play just the first 25. A Mitch Kenny. Mitch Kenny, yeah. Mitch Kenny is yeah. the perfect – if you could just clone Kenny and bring him down to any club that has a guy like Harry Green in it, He's a perfect guy. Yeah. Tackles his ass off. Good service. Comes off the field. Can put him in the forwards if you need to. Havili, yeah. Aaron Clark, one of these yeah. guys yeah. would be perfect for that. Thir- that, that thirteen slash nine can cover both as the middle forward as so well. Perfect, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and just has good quality service. Not like really works on his service. So it's in the front. Get the, every, whoever needs the ball's getting it. Then you just bring Harry Grant on. He just changes the game because it's almost criminal that you don't you, he still does it when he plays 80 but it's just just not that tippity top kind of stuff mm. um but yeah he he's uh his ball playing was outstanding like if i'm playing the melbourne storm like i would i would pick and choose when i use my best middle forwards based on when they're going to use harry grant mm. without yeah. a fucking doubt that's a good point that's a good point um got to talk about our man lindsey collins two tries he's a try scoring machine like I knew he was an origin level forward early years. Did I know he would turn into this kind of front rower? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He is like, it's almost when you compare like physical attributes to some of the other front rowers in the game, 
it's almost like you go, well, Lindsay Collins isn't at that physical attributes, but for what he lacks, and look, he's still a specimen. He's like six foot, whatever, gets through amount of work. But for what he may lack in the 1% of between him and Payne Hass or whatever, he makes up with his mental toughness and his decision-making. It is how many games are we seeing this year now where he is supporting through the middle or he's in a position he shouldn't be anywhere near, but he's mentally tough, he's fit, and he fucking loves it. That, that first try he scored where Hamiso offloaded back to him, you watch when the ball's in the air, he's standing in front of the sticks. He scores the ball on the left-hand side of the left tram line. Pure ticker. That's yeah. all it is. He, like, and it, it's not having a crack at him, but you watch him on that play where he's tracking. He tracks past Cam Munster. Mm. So even in that moment, he had more awareness <clears throat> than Cam Munster. Yeah. Like, and the edge back rower as well. You know, insane. like, insane. There are so many other players that could have been there before him, but it's Lindsay Collins when, that, yeah. that lands it. When's the last time you see a front rower backing up on that side of the field, that far across? Like, I really do my best to, to not like any Queensland rugby league players, <laughs> but... He makes it tough. Like mm. he just seems like a legend. He's got the best attitude. Oh, he's special. And on he's, top of that, with that Queensland stuff, like I was so fucking sick of hearing Billy Slater say all this shit throughout the year. But it, like, he just represents everything that Billy always says, yeah. he, and it's always yeah. on the money. This, yeah. this crap that Queensland throw, but oh, he's a Queensland player. He gets Origin. He gets rep football. That sort of stuff. But he's just the bloke who typifies it, isn't yeah. he? And everything Billy said about him leading in and throughout the series, it just gets vindicated every week with that bloke. Well, think about like a sliding doors moment because let's say Lindsay Collins didn't get selected, I think it was 2020 mm. in the origin side. Yep. No one would have really batted an eyelid. You know, they would have just gone, okay, whatever. Like it wouldn't have been a huge deal. Could have gone back to first grade and done his thing because he's not a guy that – if, you, if you're a casual viewer of the game, sometimes you don't really notice what Lindsay Collins does. And so it's such a sliding doors moment. That confidence that he would have gotten from 2020 to turn him into the player he is today, it, it could have gone the complete opposite. He could have just been a battler. And it's, you know, it'll sound stupid now and people will disagree in hindsight, but, mate, if he didn't get picked in your origin side for 2023, this year, no one would have given a shit. No, no one would have no said No one would anything. have said shit. Yeah, absolutely. And Billy Slater was one of the first person players he spoke about. He said, mate... If you watch the tape for the Roosters, things aren't going well, but you watch Lindsay Collins, he's mm. playing good footy, really good footy. It's just, yeah, it's crazy how sometimes you just need that little opportunity. And look, I just cannot believe the forward he's turned into. Like to, in a, a Roosters forward pack that's stacked of these stars, Lindsay Collins wins their player of the year. Like think about the squad the, mm. the Roosters had this year, the names on paper. Lindsay Collins won their player of the year. That should tell you something. Like the names on paper of that club are, Unbelievable, Lindsay Collins. Actually, uh, fun fact about him: he's the grandson of the great Lionel Williamson, former Kangaroo in Queensland rep. No way. Yes, a, 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 a winger back in the sixties and seventies. And this is if uh, Wikipedia is to be believed, which you know, then Wikipedia comes out with his bang on the money. So <laughs> I wouldn't question it too much. But yeah, there you go, Australian and Queensland royalty in his blood, mate. In his blood, baby. In his blood. Um, who else stood out for you, boys? Paddy Carrigan, I thought was. <laughs> yeah, he was good. Like, he's relentless, isn't he? Yeah. And it's like, it's not one play. It's just this avalanche. It's this snowball effect. He, like, he almost, he doesn't come on and blow the game apart, but it's his fifth or sixth hit up where you can kind of see the defence going, bruh, just fucking, just stop. Just give us a sec. He, he, just can, he just compounds – yeah, it's like compounding interest. Like he just compounds his game, compounds his game. And then before you know it, you look at his meters, you're like, Paddy Carrion's made 100 meters in like 20 minutes. 
and he just he's relentless like constantly in his intelligence to like know which player to run at as well it's just it's almost second to none in forward pack i thought yeah i thought paddy was outstanding mate i thought as well you know it's been a while since we've seen him play footy and there's obviously been controversy and whatever but fuck val holmes he was great. how much of a good player he is <laughs> fuck he was good he's goal kicking as well mm. I, I love watching him goal kick yeah. he's my favorite to watch goal kick mate some of the line breaks he made he, yeah like the all the controversy I'm, I'm of the belief of like he served his sentence so it's like what what's more to say like what are you fucking i would have picked him are you a judge yeah. <laughs> like what are you fucking handing out punt pen, like penalties now like he served his fucking punishment yeah. and also all the social media stuff he's gonna have to deal with the rest of his life with people putting shit on him and also it was a joke <laughs> <laughs> he made that clear it was it a joke made it really clear joke for the boys um, no, but he served his punishment. I, I thought he was outstanding. I thought he was outstanding. And, and he, uh, what I loved about his performance, it showed you that it did hurt him that he'd put himself in this position. And instead of talking and carrying on or whatever, he just came out and, sh- came out and showed by his actions how much the jersey means to him and how much it means to him to play for his country. There's a few guys in this Kangaroos side that I'm so interested to watch them next year that, you know, you quite often see guys come back from these extended, you know, Kangaroos camps and they come back new players. <coughs> Stags is one of them with mm. Herbie leaving for you guys. Mm. I think you need Stags to go to a new level. Flegler's obviously one, going to the Dolphins in that forward pack. And the other one, mate, coming off the bench, Nico Hines. <laughs> Sharkies just need him just to go to that next level. Mm. And I really do hope this experience is what pushes him up there because... Fuck, he looks classy. Mate, he looked so slick when he got yeah. out there. Just the confidence and also the pace at which he played at. The, you know, getting quick play of the balls and having defences on their back foot and making the right decisions. I mean, he came on, he basically had a hand in two, two of tries. You know, so if, if he doesn't have his hand in those two tries, <laughs> what you're looking at, you're looking at 24-18. Like, that's, that's an impact. That's yeah. a big impact. Huge. Yeah, a bloke I was pretty critical of over the back end of the season, particularly through the finals, Cam Munster. 74 points, I think, in two internationals. Obviously, Mad Dog at number six. Just something's been off with him basically since Origin, I think. Like, And again, I know stats aren't everything and his insides <coughs> that are getting wins in saying that, Melbourne blown out of the finals in two games. But I think from memory in finals, he had something like... One try assist in three games, which was off like a slightly shanked crossfield kick. That was for the, in that Roosters famous win. But he had like no tries, no line breaks, no line assists. In these 74 points in two games, he's had one try assist, which was against Samoa. No tries, no line breaks. He had two line assists against Samoa on the weekend. He had nothing. Um, just looks a bit of a shadow of himself. When I say a shadow of himself, since Origin, himself is like could be the best player in the world. Yeah. He's been off for me mm-hmm. for some time now, still missing tackles and, again, nothing too too massive and they're winning games. But, yeah, just something doesn't look right with him to me. Yeah. I, I do think that their attack did look a bit slicker when Hines was on. Mm. Um, but Hines and Munster are very, very different players. But, yeah, it has been a bit of a quiet year for Munster. There's, there's no denying that. I think it might just be a case of, you know, he had this block of years where he was just – taking the absolute piss and it's just just quite so, he looks like a bloke who just needs a bit of a spell to yeah, him. Like coming so. off the back of the world cup and we know he's, he's seemingly always playing injured with something or another so he just needs a spell he get his body you gotta right. remember as well he had his origin debut 2017 mm. that's a, that's a, a yeah. long stint of yeah. rep footy a long stint of essentially rep footy 
Yeah. So probably just needs a bit of a rest, I reckon. I and so. it, down at Melbourne as well, notoriously tough trainers. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think he probably yeah. needs I think as long as he's being quiet, we just leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> leave him alone. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm doing, say nothing. With. Yeah. <laughs> don't get me wrong, he'll come out and score four tries in the final <clears> on the weekend and that, but he, yeah. I still think he's playing his role well, though, for the, mm. for the side. I think he's just allowing DC to do what he needs yeah. to do. And, um, but, yeah, I think it's been a bit of a quiet year. Uh, anyone else stand out for you, boys? Most of those names covered off there for the, for the Kangaroos. Mm. Yeah, pretty sorted. Um, oh, Teddy, I thought, you know, only 21 runs, which was good. Allowed the game to kind of just played his role pretty well. Once or twice, there were over calls. I was like, I'm not sure. But I thought he played his role really well. And he's just doing his job. Mm. Like, it's you got to respect Teddy for that. Mm. Because all this pressure coming into the uh, Pacific Games Championship, um, very easy for him to go, oh, I need to prove everyone wrong. I need to prove everyone wrong. It needs to be about me. But he's just gone, no, step back, do my job, get get through it. Uh, it was a nice little touch to mm. Al Holmes, so that was Wasn't a nice try. Yeah. I didn't realise he sort of had that sort of deft touch in him. Yeah. Um, Dylan, it was really interesting. Uh, I think he'll keep his spot, but just that drop ball, I was like, yeah. what then? It's the second week in a row. I was like, what the hell? As someone who's been there before and dropped a sitter on TV, <laughs> I thought at that moment, just go, don't worry about it, mate. Don't let it get you down. Get back out there next week and uh, you can turn it around yeah it's it's weird because it's like he, he catches them all the time i was sitting with a mate and i said geez that's weird and he goes maybe he's a bit tired and i was like that would make sense that would make sense four years yeah, yeah absolutely i think he keeps his spot though i think in attack he's you know he's running is um really crucial i think val keeps his spot boys front row who do you keep oh he- you got to start the two big so boys. Get, uh, we all agree, Tino yeah, has to start. Back. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. so your bench, you've obviously got Harry Grant. Obviously got Paddy Carrigan. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So what? Who drops out then? I think Lindsay's got to stay. Yeah, Lindsay's got to stay? to stay. I'd probably go Lindsay and maybe Flegler. So Cotter drops out. Oh, or Nico. Oh yeah, well, sorry. Oh, and I, Nico would. I wouldn't have Nico in my team next week. So Nico's out. Yeah, Nico's yeah. out. Um, I would have Liam Martin on the edge. So maybe Cotter comes. Yeah, fuck. I don't know. I would be. I'd be happy to keep Nico or Utility just because, looking at that team, it's a big set of boys. They've got Cam Murray who could shift to centre, but oh, they've got Benny Hunt at nine. He can cover the halves. Cam Murray can cover centre. I still like it, an outside back utility. I do. Yeah, I, Especially when you've got big minute forwards like Cotter, Cam Murray, Payne, Hashtag. They can all play huge minutes. So mm. I think they can afford to carry their utility back. You bring in Liam Martin back into the side? Absolutely. You, so then... You, Legler and Collins gone? So I would start Cam Murray and Liam Martin on the edges. Cotter. You've got, then you have Grant, Carrigan. Yep. Hines. Who's your, who's your last one on the bench? So what we're probably between Collins and Cotter. Yeah. Or Jake Chaboyevich or Tom Flegler. Probably Collins on what he's done this year. Yeah. I'd be going three forwards. Yeah, I'd be going three forwards. Because yeah. uh, I just think you've got too many players that can slot into that outside back if they need. Like Murray, I reckon, could play outside back. Yeah. As in centre through into the middle. Um, he can go centre and then you could put Hammer on the wing if they need to cover wing. you got Hammer Holmes as well that can play yeah, centre. Yeah, Hammer can also. That's true. Hammer and, and Val can both go to fullback. You Edwards know, can go to fullback. to cover centre. Yeah. So, yeah, you've convinced me. <laughs> I've, I've turned. You so, know what I love too heading into next week? Like, 
common sense says Haas and Tino come back in, they're going to flog them. Yeah, Mal I just something. think that Fish and Liotta are going to go, fucking, let's go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it will take them to another level, I reckon. So, so my bench would be Grant, Carrigan, Collins. Oh. You can begin yourself as player if you want. <laughs> Grant, Carrigan, Collins. I'm trying to think of the last one because you got what? Cotter, Legler. Or Trebojevic. Um, yeah. Grant, Carrigan, Collins. I would go Cotter because of his versatility. I'd go Cotter because of his... Cause, yeah. yeah. I, I love Jake Trebojevic and his impact at rep level, you know, <laughs> has proved me wrong probably when we were critical about him getting selected in origin again. But... With the amount of explosive and big minute forwards we've got, I don't think you need him there, do yeah, you? Yeah, I, I don't think you do. Like, great defender, gets through yeah. his work. I, I just think the pace, yeah. with what you've got now, it's just, yeah. yeah. Like and if you did pick Jerbo, he would do a job for, for you. For sure, he'd do do it But I just think it is such a strong 7 like, that you don't get it. Yeah. You've got a final and you've got Tino, Payne Haas, Pat Carrigan, these blokes who can all play 65 to 80 in the middle and be just as effective from minute one to minute and 60 you got Cotter as well. Yeah, so I just don't think you need him. Yeah. What would your bench be? Uh, I would have Grant. Hines is going to miss out for me. So I'm going to have Collins, Carrigan, and I think Cotter goes back there as well with yeah. the versatility. But my only question is, can you have can you have Collins and Haas in the same team? Haas, avocados. Can you trust them together? <laughs> just something to think about. Something, something for Mal to think about there. <laughs> oh. oh, get some third-party deals, Haas. Haas. I mean, it writes itself, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. One, one to watch out for, anyway. Look forward to how that unfolds. Okay, on to New Zealand. <laughs> on to the Kiwis. Um, oh, it, yeah, look, it's hard to talk about because although I did think Fish Harris had a good game, I did think he had a good game, it was actually Tarpenay that got all their metres. Mm. Um, I thought Tarpenay was outstanding. Mm-hmm. I just think that as a whole, they played pretty well. But in that second half, just their their direction and their key players not really going, okay, boys, get on me back. This is where we're going. I just think that Hughes, he might be used to Munster doing that. Brown might be used to Moses doing that. And they might have been looking at each other. Go- and obviously they don't have a nine that's normal nine. Then you've got Chance at the back who, you know, you could argue lucky to be there. Not not because he didn't play well, but you could put Joe there, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, I, I would have chance at the back, but he's not a key top-tier player. And so I kind of felt like, it's like that Spider-Man meme where they're all pointing at each other. It's like, <laughs> go on, you're doing it. You're going to do it. Yeah. You're going to do it. <laughs> when it really had to be Hughes. It had to be Hughes. Now, Brown could have you know got in the game more, but Hughes is the main guy. He's the most experienced guy. He's the seven at the club, has all the weapons to really take the, the game by the scruff of the neck. And I just thought in that second half, it showed you that although Hughes is one of the best sevens in the comp, he's still a couple of years away from getting that experience. What's his third year of seven in first grade? Came, came through as a fullback, mm. third or fourth year. Yep. Still a couple of years away from identifying that in the game and going, oh, it's me that needs to make the call and get us where we need to get to, to get some points on the board. Yeah, which, you know, I agree with everything you just said, Kevin, which makes it even more impressive that, to me, they lacked a lot of direction the entire game. When we got to the 77th minute, they were down by six, eight, yeah. something yeah. like that. Like, they were well and truly in this contest. And, I mean, if you do have a look at the, the tries they scored, first one was off a kick, second one was off a kick, third one was 
New Brown scooting for dummy half. Mm. By the way, if you're ever looking for value, New Brown to scoot. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Loves a scoot. Um, but that hooker spot, it, it's funny. You talk about like they feel like they lack direction. It'd be great to have a halfback that just grabs it. And, you know, that guy's probably Kieran Foran. Mm. But you can't blame it halfback in this side. Yeah. Or SJ, yeah. But, like, it's funny that yeah. you've got Foz in the side, but he has to band-aid another yeah. problem you've got yeah. when he mm. probably is the answer there. Yeah, yeah. And just some of their attacking plays, I thought in the first half they were really good. Hughes was going super deep in the line. So I don't know whether Mal Meninga in halftime has gone, identified that and gone, boys, we need to do this, this and this. But just in the second half, they just – it just didn't look like they were as slick as mm. – like what Australia did really well was getting quick play of the balls and then immediately identifying where the holes are. <clears throat> and I just watched the Kiwis and I was like, they just didn't seem as snappy – on identifying when they got a quick play of the ball and then going, you know, this is where we need to go. And that, looked again, Brown, relatively inexperienced. Hughes, four years in as a, as a seven. Now, that's not excusing it. They, they definitely need to be better. But they also weren't terrible as well. I thought they were actually quite... I would have give... I give them all solid game. Like, I don't think anyone played poorly for Kiwis. But it's just that extra... that that Just that tiny next level that I think Australia had in key positions. And decided to stand up. Like, for example, Hines comes on the field, immediately goes, boys, get on me back. I'm doing what I need to do. DCE, intelligent enough, experienced, goes, I'll take a step back. Hines, do what you need to do. And Hines just goes, bang, 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 try, try. And that's where it's ironic because Hines hasn't actually played that much at seven. But it's just that mentality of going, boys, get here, get here, get here. We're going this direction that Hines, I, I think, managed to do coming on the field. Yeah. It's interesting. I look at the Kiwis and, you know, obviously halfbacks Jerome Hughes and I go, fuck, who's more dangerous, Hughes or DCE? And it's probably Hughesy, but they probably need like, more like DCE oh, mate. in that side. DCE is in the Kiwi side. Yeah. You're Different looking at story. a fucking yeah. very tight context. I think, like, it's quite clear that they've just been quite clunky in attack. The ball movement hasn't quite been there, not overly <clears> swift. And, <throat> you know, you mentioned that this, the glaring issue there is their lack of a number nine due to a bunch of frontline number nines for the Kiwis being unavailable for selection. But you've got two blokes who... You know, you probably argue at their best, uh, you know, ball running 5'8 in, in Brown and Hughes, like you mentioned. Hughes... You know, at the Storm, is moulded into a bit of a number seven and he's been effective, but he was also, as we know, a fullback, as you mentioned, can be back in his, his day early on as he developed. But I think as a result of this, the one that they're really missing is Torhu Harris. Yeah. Because they don't have a, an out-and-out number nine. They don't probably have an out-and-out number seven. I think what Torhu Harris's ball playing is that link man in between these two, arguably 5'8", would have been so effective for them and just got them, you talk about direction, all these sorts of things, really big yeah. out for them. I wish he was a part of this squad. They've got Joey Tarpany playing at 13 there, who is a tremendous footballer, but again, he's not your traditional link man, number 13, that a side needs. So, yeah, a bit of a shame that no Torhu, but they'll have to find a way around that, won't they? Yeah. Uh, positives. You know, speaking of Tarpany, I thought he was outstanding. Mm -hmm. Like, just once again, proves that he's the quiet achiever. He sits down in Canberra. We always talk about AFB, we always talk about Haas, we talk about Fisher-Harris, and Tarpanair kind of gets, you know, people that know rugby league go, Tarpanair is a gun. But the wider audience, they just don't, it just doesn't really, because he's just quiet down there, does his own thing. Then you're watching him again like this, on the back foot, getting beaten by a better Australian side. Like every time he got the ball, it was like, that's when you saw the Australian systems just get stretched a little bit, just be like, ooh, this, this, is, this isn't what we planned for, this isn't what we want to happen whereas you saw some of the other boys it was almost like 
that were falling into the trap that Australia wanted in defence. That's the systems they wanted to work. Whereas Tarpanir is so off the cuff, but not off the cuff in a detrimental way where you're like, mate, just get to a field position and whatever. He picks his moments perfectly with his footwork. I thought Tarpanir was outstanding. Boys? What about that try that Molotalo <coughs> scored? It's just, it's just some shit that only he can do. Yeah. He's a freak like that. The so really so we talk about for many many years the key reason why he's been slow to build into preparations. The one-off test, the ANZAC test, they've they've never been good in. They very very rarely beat Australia. They've always you know had plenty of success at World Cups because they build into campaigns back in like the Tri Nations, Four Nations days. These longer tournaments they've always built into towards the back end, which is what gives me a bit of hope for them to you know maybe close. They'll be much better next week. They will be much better in the final. But Phil Gould on uh, Twitter put a really interesting take up and I thought it sort of I'd bring to mind and he also retweeted at 24 hours. So he's admiring his own work, Gus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he said Don't Australia... <laughs> someone's got to like your own work. <laughs> Australia far too clinical for NZ in rugby league last night. Kiwis just can't seem to get their act together. They've got great players and they try their hearts out, but don't ever develop the level of attacking combinations and strategy or defensive cohesion that Australian teams manage to acquire in these short-term representative team preparations. It's where it gets interesting. I honestly think that the experience gained by Australian players in the state of origin pressure cooker each year assists greatly in bringing the Australian team together as such a cohesive unit. The Kiwi players just don't get this high-level experience. It's a great point. It's a great point. Like, you put some Kiwi games on during the middle of the year or whatever, like, we get mm. origin, that'd be a different beast. Yeah. Yeah, and even, like, going back to last week, I know it's really different, but, like, th- that was why... I tipped to Fiji to win that game. Mm. So I thought they're always better in week two, week mm. three, week four. They improve every week. And tell you what, if I'm imagining the Kiwis this week, I'm going, we're at $4. No one's expecting us to win. We're playing back in New Zealand. Beautiful. This has got ambush written all over it. For, for sure. And, and again, the 70th minute, 77th minute, they're down by I can try yeah. pretty much. And you know, we, we sit there and, you know, I say, oh, you know, Tino's coming back in, Payne Haas coming back in. Mate, Payne Ars is coming back in against the only two front rowers in the world that aren't fucking scared of him. Mm. Yeah. I can't – like, you can tell Payne and Tino are licking their lips. 100%. Boys. Especially Payne. I, I heard Payne talk the other day about just saying how much respect he has for those two front yeah. rowers. But he goes, it still hurts and I don't like them. Yeah. I love that shit. Yeah. Unreal. And, and you can tell, like, Payne is beginning to see in his mind he is the best front row in the competition. And I think it pisses him off internally – that technically he's not. Mm. It's the guys that have won the three premierships. And I think Payne's own standards for himself make him realise that I need to be that. I need to be – it needs to be uh, undisputed that I am the best in the comp because that's, he should be, undisputed best front row in the comp. Um, but, yeah, back to the Kiwis. Uh, yeah, the Mugatalo trial was crazy. Uh, we spoke about him already, but Fisher-Harris's stocks – Fisher-Harris's stocks – in this last four months, they might be the highest raised stocks in the last four months of anyone in the competition. Especially in modern day rugby league where we're so impressed with stats and run metres and post-contact metres. He doesn't need any of that shit. No, no. He just says, I'm, I'm here to bash my position and I'm here to do all the little small things that you don't really you know, see on the stat sheet. Mate, again, you look at his stats, you go, oh, 119 metres... You know, 42 tackles, which is really impressive. You look at those stats and you don't watch the game. You go, yeah, whatever. You watch the game and you go, no, that he took it to that front, that forward pack for the Australian side. Yeah, not, not that he needs any more notches on his resume, but if he comes out this weekend, 
does the same thing, belts Tino and Payne Haas, Oof. and the Kiwis cause an upset, it'll just be another of him going, what more have we got to do? Yeah, seriously. The best and we'll be sitting here next week going, are oh, they winners? Yeah, just yeah. they just win. They find yeah. a way. Um, I mean, it's like Leota targeting Carrigan in that first run in the, the grand final. Yeah. Like, okay, Carrigan statistically and pretty much all round on paper is a better player, but there's more to rugby league than paper. It's about fucking dominating the opposition, yeah. and I'm here to do that. Even though I felt Paddy really did play a great game, Leota just said, mate, let's go. And then, you know, I, I look at Fish and he's starting to get that aura about him now where he's just. And it's so important in rugby league just to have the toughest and the scariest guy. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. Coming into footy, the, the generation when I came in, you were you had Kiwi players that were known to intimidate. Like you were basically going against Kiwis, going, they they may not win the match, but you're coming off sore as anything. I do think they lost that for a little bit of a period. Mm. Um, it's no disrespect to the some again, not the whole period, just for a little bit, like. Last years, I think they've found that kind of Kiwi spirit again where you go, oh, they've got the scariest front rowers in the competition again. Well, unless I'm forgetting someone, this is the first time that I think kangaroos, you know, have looked at the Kiwi front row probably since Ruben Wiki and gone, mm. fuck. Yeah. This is, we, we might win all the, like, stats and blah, 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 but we're going to get hurt. Yeah. We, we aren't going to get that win without paying a price. The price is going to be us getting fucking jammed, like, for 80 minutes. Not just, mm. you know, 20 minutes and, oh, everyone bangs their chest 20 minutes. No, no, it's 80 minutes of tough, tough footy. And I think, I think Fisher-Harris is leading that charge of, of bringing that next generation through, of going, we are feared, we are feared. Yeah, and I think, like, I, I, the way that I look at Fish now is that he's just got this aura about him, and he kind of reminds me a little bit, and his career's very different, but he reminds me of what, like, Brad Thorne used to be. Mm. Like, it always used to be about Webke, seven or seven of these guys, but you always knew Brad Thorne, he might not have the <coughs> stats to back it up and all that sort of stuff, but he's a guy you don't fuck with. Yeah, it's like Ruben Wiki. Yes, Ruben Wiki is exactly the same. You, don't, yeah. you just don't fuck with him. Yeah. And you know every Australian forward sitting there going, this sucks and look they've had a plenty of great front rowers along on the way this is not to say they haven't had great front rowers it's just that we used to, we associate the front rowers for the kiwis as the pinnacle of of fear and aggression and and i think fisher has fisher harris has that so it's gonna be mad too just watching over the next few years i reckon that fish especially when it comes to new zealand they're gonna take this leo thompson yeah. under their wing yeah He's yeah. going to be a motherfucker. Yeah, he's a way huge Leo Thompson, man. Huge. Love he's Leo. way bigger than I thought he was. He's bigger. Yeah. yeah I, like, there was a period that I was like, is he even big enough for a front row? But then I saw him and I was like, like, is he not in person, but just like, in his Kiwi jersey? I was like, fuck, he's actually massive. Yeah. Massive. Um, yeah. So that, that's, it's great that they've got Fisher Harris and Leota in that front row because that's locked down, combinations are set. And then to have a guy like Tarpanair, like, yeah. <laughs> who just goes about his business. And like, this forward pack, the positive is you've got, I think Fisher-Harris might be 27, 28, Leota, 20, 28, 28, 29 maybe. Tarpanair, similar situation, I think it's about 28, 29. So there's still quite a few years. Papali'i, Nikoda, like this forward pack can play together for at least another two or three years, at least two or three years. If they were all fitness Kiwi side, and like in particular the nine position, do you start Brandon Smith and do you have JMK on the bench or do you... How I start would you JMK. And I bring Smith on for impact, I reckon. Yeah, okay. What would you do? Yeah, I'd start JMK. I, I love okay. I love cheese as an impact coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. The only thing is, it's like JMK is is a silky kind of hooker, so it's yeah. like, do you want him on for when there's a bit of tired? You could really go each way, couldn't you? Because you could start for the tough stuff. Start cheese, do the hard stuff early, and then the craft of JMK comes in, and then cheese slots into that sort of thirteen role. Like, yeah, that's yeah, what I would do. Yeah, like yeah. You, you add. 
it's a great team they've got now, but you add Cheese in, you add Torhu Harris. Like yeah, let's, say, let, 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 yeah, let's say like Torhu Harris started at 13, which would probably push like Joe Tarpany to the bench. Mm. Cheese and JMK in there. Oh God, it's a different Tarpany side, come off the it? bench. Fuck. Yeah. That's tough. No four in it all there? Wouldn't, wouldn't have any room for not, it, not if no. JMK and Cheese were fit. No. No, I don't think so. Um, so, I mean, they are missing. I mean, look, I think both teams are missing. So who, who else is the... Well, imagine if you had to fit SJ in there too. I was going to say, oh. like, you, oh, you, yeah. you look at coming in, you're not three from there, two into three, you know, it doesn't go. We've just said they're, they're lacking a bit of direction, a bit of cohesion yeah. in attack. SJ there ahead of one of them too. SJ, I'd go SJ Brown, Hughes at fullback, Manu at centre. So I'd go. That's what I'd go. Roger Tulvasa Shek enters the room Ooh. next year. Oh. Jesus. Jeez. Uh, it, look, it's exciting. Great spot to be. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. funny because, like, I came away from the game pretty disappointed from the Kiwis. I, yeah. I didn't think they played poorly. Like, as you know, I wasn't going, oh, shocker. But I was like, I thought, you know, I thought they could play a bit better. But when you actually look at it, like, they were in the fight. They're missing a few players. And the players that they eventually could come back in. Like, this is an exciting time for Kiwis fans. I really think it's an exciting time. And I think as well, like, look at that game on the weekend. Like, there's no such thing as a dead rubber between Australia and New Zealand. But if it was ever going to be close to it mm. for New Zealand, they're going the finals next week. We're going home. Mm. Kangaroos aren't even playing their best forwards here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have got something up their sleeve <coughs> this week. Yeah, like uh, yeah. So I, I still think it's a really exciting time for Kiwis, especially when you've got Hughes, Brown, um, you know, Chance, Manu, SJ. If he wants to play next year, uh, but I think I, don't, I think he's probably not going to play rep footy again. Um, but yeah. We'll see how they go. Uh, anyone else stand out for the Kiwis for you, boys? I think that's just all good, mate. All good. Uh, quickly, Fiji defeat PNG forty-three to sixteen. Jeez, PNG just did not get out of their way own way. Holy, the drop balls, the the missed tackles. Um, but Fiji were outstanding. They were outstanding. They were, and you know, I, I thought that uh, PNG for the first fifteen minutes were really strong. I, th- I thought. You know, I, I, I tipped Fiji to win this game. I thought after 15 minutes, I went, oh, fuck, here we go. Mm. Same old Fiji. They, ha- they haven't got it together. I thought PNG started really well and started brutally. But uh, when they scored that first try through AJ, it didn't look good to me. But, jeez, yeah. they turned around, Fiji. <coughs> who'd, you, who'd you tip in this one, mate? I, I haven't heard yet. <laughs> I've, did I not mention it four times? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, I agree. They started really well, but there was just this period there. We were just like drop ball after drop ball. Mm, like, yeah. just going, what the hell? Um, and PNG, like, I thought they played really well. I, you know, I've been saying for quite a while, I do think Fiji or uh, PNG or Fiji are the next side to kind of shock the world in rugby league. Uh, and hopefully that gives them a lot of confidence beating PNG 43 to uh, 16. I thought um, Buller, just his touches, man. Yeah, and you know what, like, if you ever want a, an indication of how stats just don't tell a story, Buller ran for 130 metres, <coughs> not bad, one try assist, six, six tackle breaks, that's it. That yeah. Way. But he was in everything. Everything. It seems like such a small thing, but his support play is phenomenal. Yeah. And, like, just his positioning and mm. knowing where to be, like, there, there's a – there's a half break or a quick play of the ball and something like, and, and all the good fullbacks do it. Someone just goes off the, in the head and they go, I need to push up here because yeah. we are on. Yeah. Every time they go through, he's in support. Like, he's yeah. special. He's, his ability to read a rugby league game and know when to take rests and when to step a gear up, mm. it's just, 
like his feel for the game is so good. Like he was almost playing like a five eight. Like he, that's how involved he was. Uh, and without him, there's no way they score forty three points. Like it's probably a tight match. Like he was in everything, and he was almost a linchpin of all their attack. Like everything came somewhere. He was either a support player, or he'd taken the run, or he was the play that the guy that passed the ball. I tell you what, Tigers fans get excited. I'm very excited. He was elite in everything, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, they surprised everyone, Fiji, except Guru, obviously. Um, Guru <laughs> the only one who tipped him. Um, oh, I deserve this. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> no, no, no. They, they were good. I, I, was, I didn't mind um, Kurt Donahue as well. Thought he played pretty good, mm. pretty good game. Yeah, he, he's a nine, so for him to jump in at 5'8 there, out. pretty good knock. Yeah. yeah. Well, they got a good nine as well, Fiji. Um, Taggy Tuima. Not with the current NRL club, I noticed, but like I thought he had a yeah. good solid game. Like he'd be a great get for for an NRL side. Hammy, you've um, what's your take on Mr. Whippy? You've always been a long term fan of him, big time, big minutes again. Yeah, what's going on there? We got we, if you got Mr. Whippy sitting there in the driveway, you got to get him out and use him every now and again. Um, <laughs> just mis- mismanaged. Um, plenty to be excited about Gordon Whippy fans though. Um, good, good to see him get another. Stay tip. patient. Stay patient, Whippy. Stay fans. patient, Whippy fans. That's right. Um, <laughs> Sivo back to his barnstorming best. Yeah. Like the him bumming off Nana McDonald. Uh, people don't realise how big Nana McDonald is. He's not a small winger, or he's not like Teddy. That's a he's a big fullback, but not a big winger. Nana McDonald's a massive winger. He's a monster. Like a yeah. monster. And Sivo just went, bruh, let's see. Let's see he comes off best here. He even shoulder charged him. And he was like, yep, sweet. That that Sivo for me, I just I want to see it. Week in, week out. Yeah. Just week in, week out, baby. Bring that Sivo. Although his milking of that tackle was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but he got the penalty. He got the penalty. Um, but his try and running for 200 metres, six tackle breaks, a line break. Uh, I thought Sivo was outstanding. Yeah, mate. The other one that I thought was really good, who, you know, he cops a lot of shit from people and, you know, say, say what you will, but Brandon Wakeham has been the halfback. He was great. He made 26 tackles and missed none. Like, he is a small halfback going up against P&G. Mate, I – look, there's, there's standards in NRL. There's certain guys, like, that are good, certain guys are average, certain guys are fringe players. He doesn't sign himself. Like yep. he doesn't. He doesn't select himself in sides. So all these people like try to put shit on a guy like Brendan Wakeham. It's like, wait, bro, what are you doing? Like, now that's not to say you can't have an opinion on someone. That having an opinion is totally different to putting shit on a bloke. That's probably on minimum. He comes in. He tries to do a job. He doesn't sit on press conference and say I'm the best player in the world like it's all this like talk shit or whatever it's like mate he's a good solid footy player he's a fringe first grader there's nothing wrong with that and on the weekend he was outstanding and he has a crack every time he goes out yeah. there puts himself in line all the time like if he screws up an attack he doesn't go into his shell he keeps having a crack and another thing like look at the two clubs he's, he's been at mm. recently the Tigers and the Bulldogs bottom of the table in one sense you look at him and go they're bottom of the table like he obviously hasn't done much or yeah. you could go because I think he's had some pretty good moments for both clubs, particularly sure. the Tigers of late. Mm. Imagine if he was the reserve halfback at you know Melbourne Storm or the Penrith, Pan- Penrith Panthers. Yeah, He'd go yeah. in there and probably be a superstar. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's, if he left easy. the Tigers this year and signed with the Panthers as their next halfback, we'd all be sitting there. Tigers going, are re-signing him in two years' time. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so like this is you know, yeah, we get it. At the moment, he's a fringe player. He's not top tier seven or whatever. But yeah, people like to put shit on him. It's like, mate. What are you doing? Seriously, like the bloke doesn't pick himself. He doesn't. He doesn't offer himself contracts, and you can't knock his effort. Every time he plays, he has a crack. What more? What more can you ask from the bloke? Like, and create. You always, always yeah. creating and looking lively. Yeah. Like I thought he was really, really good. And as you said, Rude, like 
or whether it's Timmy, I'm not sure. But you're all blurry into one, to be honest. Same shit takes. shit takes from both of you. No. Um, said that you know playing against such a big PNG side. I did, I did call Jermaine Hopgood about eighteen months ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that is good. Anyone else, boys? No, I just about does it for me. Okay, Donny, two two meters, hundred thirty seven meters. Stop it. Um, PNG just got to get out of their own way. You know they got this great opportunity in front of them to be the next powerhouse. Now it's about getting out of their own way. It really is. They've got the talent. They've got the the huge country backing. Um, you know, I know financially they may not have as big a backing as mm. you know Australia and New Zealand, but everything, all of the ingredients are there to do something special. It's just about whether they want to take it or not, in my opinion. I was so happy to see Reese Martin playing rugby league. Yeah. Been over there in the Super League for a couple of years. I don't get to see much of it over there. Um, you know, he didn't have an outstanding game or anything, but Christ, I, I think he's a talent that should be in the NRL somewhere. I'd Mate, be happy to throw him a lifeline. Some some of these players, like their, their number nine, um, IPAP, yeah. so good. Like this, they got All of these players, I feel like if you put them in a good system – they have an opportunity to play in NRL. Like they really do have a lot of talent in PNG. He was the it was the close watch on a, a puppy on the weekend. He didn't have a great in, impact on the game, but so these two are going around again this weekend, aren't they? They play back to back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Excited, to, really excited to watch him again. This would be a because I think PNG will be stinging from this. I think they'll be coming yeah. out firing. I think PNG win this. I think they'll bounce back. Did you tip PNG? I was waiting for it to come along. I was going to carry on like a tip. <laughs> too, but. Um, yeah, but like they just. They just need to somehow get find a way to put consistent footy together so they can build confidence and be like, no, we actually can do something special here. Um, because I, I, I truly believe it's them and Fiji that in a few years' time, maybe they take a scalp of, of one of the bigger teams. Like, I don't know, maybe. I mean, in the World Cup, New Zealand only beat PNG by a try. And uh, there was a dubious decision in that game. So hopefully they can get it together. Uh, England versus Tonga. Didn't watch it. Apologies. Worst bloke in the world. I didn't wake up at 1am to watch two <laughs> nations that I don't actually support. Um, England defeat Tonga 14-4. to four. Mate, these English guys, best in the world. Best in the world. They're so good. Every single one of them, best ever. Don't say anything negative about England. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it, guys. Uh, did you guys get a chance to watch any of it? Oh, I saw the highlights of it. I yeah. saw the 20-minute uh, K mini. Yeah? Yeah. What do you reckon? Uh, I will, I mean, pretty bleak conditions, classic weather over there. Um, so it wasn't like great for expansive footy. I wasn't here last week after the first test between the two nations, but he didn't have a major impact in this game. But Tommy Johnson is a bloke I've been such a big fan of, Pommy Winger, for mm. so long. Again, didn't have the best game on the weekend from what I saw, but scored a double the week prior. Followed him from basically early on in his days, quite closely at Wakefield, who were... You know, they're sort of battling for relegation every year. Stuck with them for a long time and was just outstanding for Wakey. Mm. Went over the Catalans. Is he a really good goal kicker? No. 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 Okay, Went right. over to um, Catalans this year. He was a top try scorer in the Super League. Mm. I'd love to see him get a crack in the NRL. I think he's a star. How, how old is he? Oh, he'd be maybe 27, 28. I think you spoke about him in the World Cup. I have spoken about him before, yeah. What about Wellsby? 28, Tommy Johnson is. Also born in Germany. There you go. Yeah, um, Wellsby's an interesting one. Twenty-two, uh, twenty-two years of age. Captain the, the captain nation of this side. Yeah. So, yeah. So fullback five eighth. 
Yeah, I think he can play a bit of halfback too, but yeah. I, I've seen him fullback 5'8". NRL, yeah. he'd probably a fullback. I think so, yeah. And there was, uh, yeah, apparently there was a number of uh, NRL people over there watching him, watching keeping him? an eye on him. Yeah, okay. I mean, look, if you're captain your, your country at 22 years old with a team that has other experienced players in it... Well, John Bateman and Elliot Whitehead are in that side. Yeah. Be interesting to see. I mean, look, it depends what he wants to do. Maybe he's happy there, getting good coin, playing a bit of footy or whatever, but... Surely he could be a George Williams 2.0 for the Raiders. <laughs> Seriously, come over, test yourself in the capital, mate. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether he is keen to, but couldn't hurt to come over and give her a crack for a year or two. Good captain, in, captain in your country, at twenty-two years old, and they got massive raps on him. Come over. He's a specialist in shit cold conditions over in England, so he could do the same in Canberra. <laughs> I thought that that was probably the key to this game. That England, they just, from what I saw in highlights, they play to the conditions much better. I think in game three, just looking at the team sheets. You know, they've obviously lost the series. It's, you know, 2-0. I think it's time. Put in the young fellas. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Make it happen. And just go forward and stick to it. Yep. Um, Lola here. Lola here. Hopawati, to a degree, but Lola here. I, I just think that you've got you've got good young halves now. Give someone else a crack. Hopawati, like, you know, maybe you can play centre. Like, I don't... Yeah, yeah, he, he did. Just play Cole at fullback. That being said... Yeah. He did th- – oh, God, I love what Will Hopwati's ball playing. And oh, he's, he threw, he's incredible. Threw, threw this pill for Cole's try. Bloke shot over the fans. Held back, bang, o- over behind. He was like, I love watching him pass the best, football. one of the best fucking three-on-twos you could yeah. see at fullback. But I think that, like, with Cooler, it's more just the future. Yeah. So why not put Hopwati – and I know they did swap at stages, mm. but why not put Hopwati at centre – and cooler at fullback, and you can always swap them back if it's not working. I thought whatever. that's what they might do more of, and, and just sort of interchange in between the roles a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned getting up at one or two a.m. If they play last week final in this side next week, I will be up, and yeah. you'll be up as well, I reckon. Yeah, you'll be up. I'll get up. We'll for be that. up together. Holy we'll shit! We'll be on the end of the uh, Australia England cricket games, oh, so I'll be up then. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to watch the, mi- the mini after because you'll be still watching watch the cricket. The cricket. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Anyway, uh, let's get into some cricket chat, hey? Do Australia defeat New Zealand, one of the best World Cup matches of all time, mate. Love this. Like, thinking back to all the matches I've watched, this really does stand out. <laughs> uh, they set a, a massive 388, and New Zealand fell five short, but it went down to the last few balls. So if they fell five short, wouldn't that mean they didn't win 13 plus? Oh, but we were betting on the – or tipping on the uh, Netherlands game. Oh, at the time, that's a great Which point. you would know as a big cricket. Guy. That is a great. That is yeah. a great point. <laughs> Supporting your family. Yeah, I would never say they'd beat New Zealand thirteen plus. So I knew it was going to be a big game. That's one why. to twelve. One to twelve. That's what you would have said if you're asked. Thank you. I'm sure. Australia yeah. now sitting in fourth. England are currently last, which is music to our ears. Yeah. Oh, sorry, don't say that. Um, <laughs> our next game is against England on Minos. Saturday. Yep. We're into the minnows now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> England, Afghanistan, Bangladesh to come. Are they home. a tier two nation? Should be. <laughs> Should be. Don't kill us. It's a joke, bro. Yeah. Um, they, don't, they don't take that sort of stuff too seriously, though. I fans. don't think like, they it's, do. it's a joke, but they are behind Afghanistan. <laughs> that's, so now, that is that's not a joke. A, that's, that's a fact. That's just a fact of the game. Mm. Uh, that's where they're sitting. What a game, though, this was. The Kiwi game. Yeah. Unbelievable. 150 after the, in the 11th over, mm. after they sent us in. Um, I think uh, Kerry O'Keefe on commentary said the, the pitch was harder than algebra. <laughs> Summed it up beautifully. Uh, Travis Head getting into his work. We've got all the ingredients now to give it a real, real shake. This tournament, don't you reckon? Like, 
I felt like I felt like Mar having Marnus and Smithy was going to just like make the batting a little bit too slow to win a World Cup. He's kept his spot as you, as so you knew. I thought so too, mate. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one sense. that every now and again you and I, big cricket nuffies, will disagree on one, and that's fine. Yeah, um, I, but I agree with you on that one. Yeah, too slow through the through the middle, middle there. They so whacked him up at the top, and uh, away we go. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Uh, a bit of handy bowling out of him as well. But um, what, what did you think of? So we come out fast. Yep. And then it did, because I did watch a little bit of it, then it did look like we started to be a bit defensive. Yeah. What did you think of that tactic? Against Dibley Dobblers as well, Glenn Phillips and uh, Ratchin Ravindra, um, the fifth and sixth bowlers. I was like, what, what are we doing here? We've just put away Lockie Ferguson and Matt Henry and Trent Bolt, and now these blokes come on. Mm. I think Glenn Phillips took three or four wickets. Glenn Phillips, 337 off 10. Remarkable behaviour. Mm. Um, but anyway, we slowed down and, uh, yeah, nearly cost us. Nearly cost us, but it didn't cost us. We held our nerve. Um, the Aussie price to win the tournament now, a couple of weeks ago we were double figures territory after starting 0-2. We're in now to $3.75. Shit. Wow. I haven't seen such prodigious swings since Andy Bickle tore the palms apart at the 2003 <laughs> World Cup. Well, well, Paddy Cummins was getting bloody dropped after the first couple of weeks. Well, that was a yarn. Michael Clark came out and said that the mail he got was Cummins was going to be dropped. <laughs> Clearly still suffering uh, concussion symptoms from the Carl Stefanovic fight uh, <laughs> up at Noosa. Need to go for an HIA. Because Paddy come out and just tore, tore it apart since then. He's been bowling at the wickets. He's been listening to you. He's been obviously watching the podcast. What can I say? Um, so the boys are in a good spot. We're in a good spot. I think we can win these last three games. Uh, hopefully fall on the right side of the draw. Australia, India final. They're still going to take some beating. But, but you, know, you know what I? You know what cricket always say? Don't count your wickets before you bowl them, mate. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. Right out of my mouth. Uh, we, yeah, look, we're in a good spot, but we're not there yet. We are. We are. In, India's still the team to beat, though. Like they're. Like, they're looking seriously good. But uh, we have all the ingredients. I'm, I, don't know, I know you're a big cricket man as well, Timmy. What are yeah. you feeling about the boys at the moment? Mate, remarkable turnaround to go away from two around now. The biggest thing for me is just all these blokes, their entire batting order, they're all getting runs. They've all had time yep. at the crease. There's not a bloke there who hasn't sort of got a few runs of his name in those last three games. Yep. So, you know, you're not going in there thinking anyone's underdone, anyone's underprepared. Like, they're, they're all getting runs in Indian conditions. I think we're... Um, <coughs> One of the remarkable turnarounds, to be fair. Yeah. So, mate, Chavy Head's come back in here, that busted finger or whatever it was. Yep. A ton second game back, first game back. Mate, we're looking good. Yeah. I don't, I don't see us beating India, but one day cricket, anything can happen. That's right. Anything can happen. So, is there a chance England get up for Australia because they dislike us so much? There's a chance, but, I mean, seriously, like, they can't beat anyone at the moment. So, so what do you reckon's going wrong in England? What's going on with them? Yeah, like well, what's I, they're just spending too much time focusing on stuff that doesn't matter anymore. Like they're talking about the runouts of the Ashes. Mm. They're blaming the format of the tournament that everyone's got to put up with. Um, Come to terms with the fact that baseball isn't the greatest thing on the planet. Yeah, other people. Yeah, they're just basically playing the style of cricket that everyone else mm. has been playing for ten years, and they're going, "Oh, baseball." <laughs> Sorry, boys. Uh, welcome to the real world. What do you reckon uh, England's at to win the World Cup? Oh, I didn't know if that was because you'll bloody qualify for the five hundred to one. Yeah. What? Yeah. Unders. <laughs> <laughs> Unders. And didn't they falsely win the last World Cup? They made up their own rule. They made up boundary count back. So they still have never won one, which is... So, so in, the, in the record books, they, they didn't win? In the record books, they did, unfortunately. But no. in my record books, and I think most cricket fans, like yourself, Kempi, yeah. uh, I still need some convincing. Not in the spirit of the game, that's how I reckon. Certainly not. England Absolutely also not. wrote the record books, so like, yeah. they can do what they want. And yeah. apparently they are the arbiter of what is the spirit of the game. Yeah. Absolutely. Goes without saying. But they will say it repeatedly. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, we've got them next. I think uh, I think we deal with them pretty easily. Just having a look at the prices here. They're two dollars fifty to beat us. I mean, please. 
What, what games have these traders been watching? It's fortunate. But what if they... Because it's like a rivalry. What if it's one of those situations? They will They will certainly get up for it. Yeah, okay. Um, but I don't think they're, they're not good enough at the moment. KLB, Hammy, just... We just don't want to finish fourth and play India in that semi. Again, if we're going to beat, win it, we're going to have to beat them at some point anyway, likely. But finish second or third, we've got three almost as easy as it gets fixtures to come. What, two out of three should nearly get us to third? Yep. So, so if we beat England... We should definitely, not definitely, but should win the next two games. We should. Which would put us in second? That would put us in second. Yeah. Yeah. Just avoiding India is the key. Yeah. Okay. And are we expecting the other two to be South Africa and New Zealand? Yep. Isn't South Africa pretty red hot at the moment except for one game? Yeah. Well, they they, um, wrecked us. They beat us and then they lost to the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Your boy Van Beek turned up again. Um, ruin the parties. Yeah. I ruin parties here in Australia. He ruins parties over there. That'll be the top four, I reckon. So we've shown we can, yeah, right, we're, we're the one team I think that can challenge India. Okay. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. And the bingos, I'll talk you through the bingos. Yeah, yeah, the They're bingos. up on the site now. I can see them here. Boom. Um, shout out to the Rubenstein group. They're in the prime real estate there as well. Uh, Hammy's to score a 50 bingo. So there's five names here. You need at least three of these blokes to score 50 for it to be bingo. Okay. So we've got Dave Warner, Travis Head, uh, the Big Show, Glenn Maxwell, and uh, then we got Bearstow and Stokes. So neither of those blokes are probably going to do it. So you're probably relying on the Aussies there to <laughs> do the business. And then the wicket taker bingo has been going bananas. We've won two of the last three. The four players that I've picked here, you need at least three of these guys to take two or more wickets. Starkey, uh, your boy Guru Zampa, mm. and then Adil Rashid and David Willey, who's got the new seed uh, swinging it around there, the big left arm. Two, three dollars twenty. You're getting. They've wound that one right back in because it's been going so well. Yeah. There you go. There you go. There you bloody go. There, there you go. have it, guys. Yep. The Bible of sport has just finished. <laughs> you do want me to get into my Sheffield Shield wrap here? Three great games over the weekend. <laughs> Jared the Frog Friedman leads the Tassie boys. Mate, give us a quick wrap up, mate. I get a bit emotional when Tassie cricket comes up because yeah. uh, I wouldn't be here without it, Tassie. <laughs> I wouldn't be here without it. My, my father played a handful of games for Tassie. He was just an honest toiler from Sydney, went down to Tasmania seeking more opportunities, met my beautiful mother die down there, and uh, the rest is history. So whenever I see the boys with their backs to the wall at Bell Reeve Oval, as was the case over the weekend, uh, I mean, they'll bowl out for 150 in the first dig. Really? And to come around and, you know, Queensland made all those runs and declared six down, Jared Freeman. Um, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again, what, what can't he do? The frog. <laughs> Um, really, uh, so, and apologies, I, I do get a bit emotional when I talk about Tassie, but uh, <laughs> there was not a dry eye in the house yesterday okay. uh, at Goodman HQ, so um, well done to the boys, and uh, New South Wales lost their 15th Shield game in a row, they just don't, Holy New South Wales just don't get Shield cricket, it's as simple as that. They get Shield in general. Exactly. Oh, oh. what? All right, see you next week. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't even speaking about league, I was speaking about other sports, but you just assumed that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Hammy, Hammy, what are your thoughts on uh, Michael Nisa opening the batting for Australia come the test summer? I think that's a little bit over the top. Too. Mate, bloke is in unreal form. I, I could see, I could actually see him. He's probably the most informal rounder in world cricket at the moment, He's Michael Nisa. Um, you know, based on the, they'll, they'll go with Green, but if something happened to Cam Green, I'd have no qualms. I'll be absolutely qualm free with Michael Nisa slotting in Mate, at so number six. Mate, really, really they like. Come the Aussie summer, yep. slotting in at seven or eight. In his last like, 10 knocks, he's had a 51, 90, 140, 40, 176 not out, 123, 86. Yep. He's a bowler. What do you reckon, Kenfi? Listen, you've got to be patient in this game. And <laughs> he hasn't earned his stripes. Um, sometimes you need to pick experienced players that have been there, done it. And unfortunately, he hasn't done that for me. Yeah, really? 
I think he's now the uh, most capped 12th man in Test cricket history for Australia. Legit. He's overtaken Andy Bickle from that mantle. Dude, so, I haven't seen him do it with the big dance, mate. Get him in. We spoke about the prodigious swing of Andy Bickle earlier in the show, yeah. and uh, I reckon Michael Nees is just about on par. <laughs> Star Scary heads. what he could do with the Duke's Star boy out, Andy in those in. English conditions, eh, Kempi? Uh, yeah, tonk a few cherries over there, right? Yeah, bowl, he certainly bowls at the wickets, so <laughs> one, to, one to watch there for sure. <laughs> Alrighty, that Let is. Let us know in the comments, Michael Nisa. Yeah, <laughs> should he be in there or is Denon fucking know a thing or two about cricket? Um, <laughs> make sure to give Rugby League Guru a follow on Instagram. SC Playbook, he's started up his cricket uh, Instagram as well. Hammy, give Hammy a follow. Handsome Hammy G, all one word. If you follow <laughs> Maddie, unfollow him. Um, and we'll all go fuck ourselves. Thank you. Imagine what you could be buying instead. For free and confidential support, call the number on the screen or visit the website.